This is the Art of Darkness podcast with Kevin Kautzman. And Brad Kelly. We're a couple of very online writers interested in the dark side of what drives creative people to create against all odds. This show is about art and the people who make it, what it costs them, and what it takes to bring something unique and impactful into the world. Each episode, we excavate the life and work of an artist you might think you know. Don't worry, they're all safely dead. On every episode, we try and find out just what the hell was wrong with them and how they worked through their darkness to create something that lives on after them and continues to move culture. Find us online at artofdarkpod.com and on Twitter at Kevin Kautzman and at Brad Kelly. Art of Darkness, we're back. This is gonna be a bang. I, you know, I'm, I'm I'm really alarmed at like how much I've been anticipating this. Okay, I'm Kev- good. Yes, good. I'm Kevin Kautzman uh, with my co-host uh, Brad Kelly. Brad, how are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm uh, yeah. I've spent a lot of time in Frank Herbert world, which is cool, actually. So yeah, yeah I'm. I'm uh, I think yeah. we've got some secrets to spill and uh, some interesting stories to tell here. So I'm a I'm little stoked. fright. I'm uh, a little frightened. I really am. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm a little. I'm a, well, you know, I'm a little afraid of uh, of of what this is. Yeah, like I, we're we're talking about again. We go for big air on mm-hmm. this show. Uh, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, you know, Valhalla or nothing, right? And Frank Herbert is he? I mean, we're going to get into it. He is big air. Uh, it, it's interesting though. He's as a writer, I feel like he's one of the more famous writers that people don't really know much about his personal life, it seems. Yeah, he's like a void. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Even in this Dune movie that just came out, there's not a lot of like Frank Herbert's Dune. There's not a lot of, you know, it's just Dune. It's just a thing. He created something that's almost bigger, that's bigger than him. And they, you know, he, uh, they said, you're starting a cult. Right. If you write a book (laughs) and, and they come to you and go, oh, you're starting a cult. Yeah, that's you, you've written your book, right? I mean, Usually, when people say something is a cult hit, it's kind of like a quaint. It means some weirdos yeah, like it. Yeah, yeah. This right. means it's like yeah, you could have started a you could have no, you could have started a cult with. Literally, it. we're blasting <laughs> off into space. Yeah, yes. I, yeah. I I love this. I'm really yes. excited. I'm yeah. I I rewatched the new film, uh, and uh, it it washed over me okay. finally. Okay. Yeah, I, it yeah. landed. After nice. the second, <laughs> the yeah, second yeah, time, yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, the the first of, yep. of the Lynch version. Yeah, the Lynch I'm a version, big yeah. The Lynch version's quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually mm-hmm. I just watched the Lynch version yesterday. I hadn't seen it in probably ten or fifteen years, and so mm-hmm. that was cool. That was cool. Yeah. Um, it, there's a lot of similar like it's more similar to the new one. There's, yeah. there's huge differences, but it's actually more similar to the new one than I had thought yeah. in a lot of ways. Yes, yeah. it is. So, it's beat for beat kind yeah. of. Yeah. 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 There's so, a, we're going to unpack Dune. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. I'm a little concerned about, yeah. 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 It's a so, Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We might as well settle in and, yeah, and, and talk. With this, uh, you know, Art of Darkness. That's what we do. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Great American writer. Is, is he, was he from California? He was uh, from the Pacific Northwest, so he's from okay. the Tacoma area. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, before we get into the show, I wanted to make a note uh, to thank our patrons on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had some people signing up. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's very exciting for our humble show to have mm-hmm. people who are, are willing to, to click through and, and give us some hard-earned cash. Um, 
if you are on Patreon, you, you know, if you are a patron, you know that you get after each episode, you get a little 20 to 30 minute extra conversation that's exclusive to pay, to patrons. And if you're not, that's our big incentive to sign up is we go on for another 20 or 30 minutes. It's a little more off the cuff. We save one good nugget from our research and, and we're going to do that tonight too, that we, we only share with the Patreon um, our Patreon members. So thanks guys. We really do appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, that's and, awesome. You yeah. know, we're, right on. Uh, yeah. we're pay- paying for books and we're hey. paying for web hosting. And yeah, all yeah. So it's, There's, it, you it know, helps. Yeah, support the show. Yeah. So, Artofdarkpod.com. That's right. And if you want to go, you, you can find a Patreon link on there quite easy. There's other ways to support too. We've just released a really cool looking uh, coffee mug with our brand new mo- logo. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we also have a, a bookshop.org link. It's an affiliate link. We get a few pennies on the dollar if you buy a book through that link. So so with that, Kevin, what do you know about Frank Herbert? He is from the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> huh. <That's>, truly. <laughs> yeah. it, it, I, you know, I, that's, that's as much as I know, uh, mm-hmm. which kind of is interesting because he's such a, a force. Right, right. right. And I, I, I realized this as I was going into this. This is the example probably of uh, the, the ratio of how much I like his his book to how little I know about him is probably there's, the biggest ratio. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, there's no, I mean, I know that H.P. Uh, Lovecraft is from Baltimore and da-da-da, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like, yeah. You vaguely have a sense of someone. Mm-hmm. There's no one bigger than Frank Herbert uh, Not really. in terms no. of, like, he, he did it. Yeah. He, he wrote the book. It's majestic. It's yeah. the greatest. It's a vision. And it, yeah. and critically and commercially too. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's no okay, one sell 50 yeah. million copies of books and mm-hmm. also be respected by critics. No one, no one says Dune is overrated. Right. Right. No right. one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. It's pretty it's, much you either, you either love it or you haven't read it. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so, so we'll get into it. I want to start with a Frank Herbert quote from Dune that I think is interesting in the context of his life. And it's also just a paragraph that I, I quite like. So I feel like this is a good place to start. So this is from Dune. Greatness is a transitory experience. It is never consistent. It depends in part upon the myth-making imagination of humankind. The person who experiences greatness must have a feeling for the myth he is in. He must reflect what is projected upon him. And he must have a strong sense of the sardonic. This is what uncouples him from belief in his own pretensions. The sardonic is all that permits him to move within himself. Without this quality, even occasion, even occasional greatness will destroy a man. So I like that. We're talking about a great man. This is his views on greatness. We're talking about a book that's in some ways about the, 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 the idea of greatness in some yeah. ways, right? The pitfall, yeah. the ups and downs of it. So, sure. um, so we'll start, just give you, give you kind of a little background on, on, Frank, obviously, this is what we do here is we're going to dig into his whole life. But just to give you kind of a primer so we know kind of who and where we are. Frank Herbert, American writer, uh, one of the best selling science fiction writers of all time, arguably the best selling science fiction writer of all time, best known for Dune. Uh, they which, finally made Dune. That's the other thing. I'm, I'm sorry. They the finally dream. made Dune. It's the dream. I'm very happy. Yeah, me yeah. too. Me too. It's yeah. it's it's a it's. Yes, yeah, I feel it's like not perfect. It will never, it will never, never be perfect. Never gonna make it perfect. No, no, it's too much. It's too it's much. It's too much. But, yeah. But uh, Dune sold uh, 
just, I believe, just Dune. Now, there's several books in the series. Just that first book yeah. has sold 20 million copies, <laughs> right? Which is uh, insane. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, it's been adapted to film uh, three times with two other attempts. Um, and uh, on top of Dune, he would eventually write six uh, other installments of the Dune series. They would the, all get just progressively are, the, weirder. Yeah, but they're bangers too. Oh yeah, like they're yeah. they're also very good. Yeah, I read yeah, Dune if you're Messiah, into and we're going to read a bit from Dune Messiah, which is the second one. They're very good, top notch. Yeah, it's a great, yeah. it's a great novel. It's great yeah. writing, like yeah. all the way through. It, yeah, yeah, and the writing itself, paragraph to paragraph, which is kind of rare in hard sci-fi, is yep. legit. Yep. Like you feel like you're reading like a yep. Herman Hesse novel or something. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but okay, obviously Frank Herbert you don't get to the point where you're selling 20 million books overnight. So I want to start a, somewhere a little different. So my, my primary source in this, which is a little, there's pros and cons to my primary source. It's a book called Dreamer of Dune. It's a biography of Frank Herbert written by his son. So the, pro, the, the challenge to that is, okay, on the, on the plus side, you've got a lot of legitimate insight into sort of family life that nobody else would really be able to tap into. On the other side, you've got a little bit of hero worship going on, right? There's a little bit of a, like, my dad sure. invented the hole-in-one kind of thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a little yeah. bit Part of three, hole-in-one. Right, yeah, right, yeah. Right. My dad's so, a, my, he's a dynamite. Yeah, yeah, good guy. Yeah. So there's a little bit of that. So um, <laughs> Fair enough. Know, yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's also yeah. the fact that he is a unique figure, right? You know, you don't get to write a book like Dune without being... Uh, some in some way remarkable. So sure, yeah. yeah. So, but mm. I want to start a little different than how we might normally start an episode like this, and I want to talk about the primary woman in Frank Herbert's life, Beverly Herbert. Okay, and I'm going to start with this quote of something she said, and it's later in their life, and I just want to think, have this at the back of our mind, Beverly Herbert. Um. She's talking to her, uh, Brian Herbert, so her daughter-in-law. She's talking to her daughter-in-law, and she says, I'm fighting this thing, Jan, and I'll be damned if it's going to get me. Not when Frank and I have reached the point where we can begin enjoying our accomplishments. All right, so just think about what this could sort of mean. So who was this lady? Beverly Herbert was born in 1926. And in a creative writing class at the University of Washington in 1946, she meets Frank Herbert. She's immediately attracted to him, but this isn't 2020. It's, you know, just immediately go, you know, wait, wait, wait. Brains they, out. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, but they, yeah. they met in a writing class? They met in a writing class, yeah. All right, yeah, right. okay, <laughs> now, let's go. Yeah, so, so <laughs> yeah. she had been, she and Frank in this writing class were the only two people who'd ever published anything. She had sold a story to like, uh, I think it was Modern Romance Magazine, and he had sold one or two, uh, he'd sold a Western story and maybe a science fiction story. You know, they're wow. pretty young. So sure, everybody sure. else, there's a little bit of a like, oh, we're, you know, we're in a, yeah, in a kind yeah. of class of our own here. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he would have to pursue her pretty hard though before they would go on a date. Uh, he would... Uh, do some things that we would probably call stalking now, figuring out where she studied in the library and dropping by, figuring out where she ate lunch, generally getting the sense of her schedule and whoopsie daisy. Oh, hey, yeah. Beverly. How yeah, are you? the spice must flow. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he was impressed right off the bat by her intelligence. He thought she was a, she was a very, very talented writer. Um, and 
she he saw her act as a witch in a production of Macbeth that was going on at the campus. She was she was one of the three witches. Yes, yeah, that's this production. This production. Ah, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. The theater people, theater oh, yeah. people. Yeah, oh, yeah. bring it. Uh, let's go. Yeah, yeah. So you don't understand until yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and after he saw that, he told his friend like, "I'm going to marry this woman." Yeah, and they hadn't really even gone on a formal date, right? But very quickly they, you know that my you know that my dad uh, was from washington right like my family oh, I, I have that. yeah yeah family okay. out in washington yeah. okay. maniacs yeah, yeah they're all yeah. insane <laughs> it's yeah. A cool part yeah. Of the country oh yeah for yeah sure. it's very uh yeah real yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so uh they get married very quickly though they get married june of 1946 and this is like right around the time oh. frank actually drops out of college so they meet and it's it's she resists it a little bit you know Sure. As she probably should. He was and, stalking her. Right, right. And then immediately they're married and, you know, they, right. they're married to... to but uh, he was, but he was, uh, he was too young to like end up in the war. Well, we're good. We're going to get okay. there. So I'm telling right. the Beverly story and we're, real okay. quickly and then we're going to yep. get the Frank story. So, okay. um, and this is actually Frank's second wife and we'll, we'll, we'll explain that. <laughs> He's born a little bit earlier. He's born in 1920. This is, so this is the th- at this time. Fair enough. This is the thing I love about this show though, is that like, it's all starting to make sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah, start quickly. To recognize the patterns. Yeah. And yeah the patterns, yeah. the rhythm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Beverly was, and there was the reason where I'm starting with her. She was an amazing woman. Frank couldn't have done what he did without her. And I just, I feel like I want to give her credit in some way, right? Um, she would stick with him, you know, every single up and down. Sometimes she was the sole breadwinner with copywriting gigs while Frank was, you know, on some harebrained scheme or he had quit some job or gotten laid off or whatever. Um, you know, moving, they moved to Mexico a couple times, experiments with off grid <laughs> like living. You There's yeah, IRS sure. problems. Beverly yeah. is there for yeah. all of it, right? Dynam- okay, good. Um, yeah. She was also the first reader on a lot of his work. And Frank believed that she understood what he was doing more than anybody else. That's right? awesome. So, so, um, yeah. So, None of this it, happens in a vacuum. It really doesn't. And one big thing is she believed in Frank probably more than Frank did. Right. So they had that. And I, I think when you look at the whole life, you kind of realize that that's sort of what made it happen. Um, she was also highly capable. Of, she was tax, ta- excuse me, task oriented and highly capable, of, high, had highly capable organizational skills. So eventually he, she would run Frank Herbert Inc. Right. He did a lot of drugs, though, right? There were there were serious drugs. I'm, well, we're, we're getting yes, ahead of, you know. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Yeah. I will say, Yeah. I will yeah. also say that Brian Herbert, his son in the biography, is very charmingly like, yeah, dad smoked weed once and one time he got peyote, but he threw up. Mm. That's it. Mm. Uh, mm. We'll see. But I got yeah. some dirt on that. Okay, that good. Saving, mostly. Good. All right. For, mostly for the after dark. Ooh, after dark. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, okay. So, um, yeah. So, Beverly runs, basically runs Frank Herbert Inc., especially when he starts to become, you know, more successful, keeping track of the paperwork, taking care of correspondence, making sure the bills are paid and all of that. So hang on, hang on. So they meet in their 20s. Yeah. Frank is 26. She's 20. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. In, yeah. In Washington. In Washington. Yeah. And they're married very quickly. Within months. Within months. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, she, on top of being, you know, sort of left brained enough to like basically run a business, she was highly intuitive. Um, she read tarot cards and astrological charts. Frank referred to her as his white witch. Um, <laughs> there is <laughs> a, 
Yeah, like a like a a witch that practices white magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm familiar with yeah. what that yeah. is. Yeah, <laughs> so I'm like, I'm, I'm not a like racial ask, thing. No, I'm like asking like what? <laughs> yeah, she, she. So she. I got yeah, a little no, bit. No, these are these are some these are some hippies. Oh, they are hippies. Oh, super sure. yeah. super yeah. hippie people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's cool. Um, uh, okay, so here's one thing: she could find stuff when nobody else knew. No lost objects, for instance. So here's a little bit from the biography. And this is, again, this is Brian Herbert, so it's probably a little embellished, but this is the vibe of Beverly. Um, On one such fishing trip, my parents were on a river near North Bend, Washington. During the day, Dad had been off fishing, performing his hunting and gathering role, while Mom worked around the rented cabin. When he returned with his catch, he discovered he had lost the packet containing fishing flies and hooks that had been given to him by one of his grandparents. It had sentimental as well as practical practical value, and he was upset. She told him not to worry, that she would find it. He had been all over the river fishing, not staying in one place at all. Still, she led him directly to an area of unusual rocks where she knelt over a hole, reached in, and retrieved the missing gear. Right? So this is, and there's numerous reports of, from people that she could, like, do weird stuff like yeah, this. Yeah, she was a yeah. witch. He was yes. married to a witch. Yes. The Bene Gesserit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's real. <laughs> exactly. It's real. I'm not, it's not a LARP. It's That's, real. Witches yeah. are real. Right, yeah. right, right, and they she, often they are often on the stage. <laughs> yes, that would be yes. a place to find them, especially in that the modern would be era, where you. Yes, sure. indeed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there's another thing she could read people's palms, and uh, she uh, later in life apparently tried not to do it very often because she once touched the hand of a friend of hers, got this very strong vibe, and told the friend that to be very careful because you are going to get into a serious accident. Shortly later, this friend of Beverly's was in a, heart, a intense car accident and ended up with severe brain damage. So Beverly's in touch with the Numa, you know, for sure. Um, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's no, it's it's fascinating. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know how many different yeah. ways to tell people that like the magic is in the theater. It, you know, I'm a nerd, <laughs> sure. right? Sure. But it's like you, if you want to uh, experience, uh, you know, that just that's that. a place that's a place that's to do it for where sure. it starts yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Uh, also on beverly and then we're going to get to more frank here in just a second but um she was a skilled writer in her own right um she tried to get two novels published but um it seemed like she didn't ha- quite have she didn't deal all that well with criticism necessarily and it's not that she didn't deal well with it i think she didn't quite have the grit to do revision five revision six revision seven She's a pretty talented writer, and she just kind of didn't, I think, have that next level of push. She wasn't an obsessive like Frank was. About yeah, it, so I mean, that, this is this is the thing about Dune, and you know, I haven't reread it uh, recently, yeah. but just there is a level of um, autism in oh, Dune yeah, think, where you just go, so. you're you're obsessing over this world building, yeah, to a yeah. degree that is ira- like irrational, right? And that <laughs> right. that's the fun. And, yeah. you know, and as soon as you start Dune posting on Twitter, everyone yeah. has an opinion. Everyone does. Yeah. Every yeah. autistic person it's, has an opinion. It's yeah. funny. I kind of didn't mm-hmm. realize I, and I should have known better, but until the news of the new Dune movie came out, Dune kind of felt like this book that just I knew. It felt like, like a my secret. Book. Yeah. 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 Right. Kind of, that, right. Strangely. And, and there's but millions not, of people that feel yeah, like that apparently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's some sort of like secret. It feels yeah. like some sort of a Bible or yeah. uh yeah, I, I need to reread it. It's yeah. a, it's a thing that you find when you're like 15 years old 
that yeah. made sense to you. Oh, a precocious teen, all precocious teenage boys should be mm-hmm. given Dune immediately. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> is, is J.D. Salinger alive? <laughs> I mean, do you uh, know? I think he died I, a couple years ago. Yeah, but, well, that'll yeah. be one. But I mean, yeah. you, you know, it, it has that, it, it's that vibe. It's that mm-hmm. like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, you think of, you don't know that Dune means as much to you until yeah. like somebody throws it in your face and you go, oh right. no, Dune, that's my Dune. That's yeah. my book. Yeah, exactly. You exactly. read yourself into that book in some oh, sort of yeah. like incredible way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and it's interesting for me, the book I compare it to the most is not another science fiction, hard sci-fi space opera thing. I actually compare it like in my head it goes in the same library shelf as Siddhartha by Herman yeah. Hesse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why exactly, but that's where it fits to me. No, it, so, feel, it feels that way. It's, yeah. it's a book about growing up. Right, for sure. It's, it's a book about being a man. Yeah. And, like, and it's, it's what he was trying to do was compress um, manhood into mm-hmm. a 300-page science fiction right. novel. Right. How and do we, how do we hang off? Yeah and, and, and he did, yeah, and he did it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. and in English, and he's, yeah, there's, it's, it's a great American novel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Right, and, and there's also a bit of a, there's the whole punk rock uh, middle finger to, mm-hmm. like, if you don't think that science fiction can do this, yeah, we're, we're allow me to explain Right, like right, what right. this is. Right, right. Yeah, every yeah. year there are dozens and dozens of, um, sort of literary fiction or mainstream fiction that are published that don't have anywhere near the heart of Dune. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Just the muscle of Mm -hmm. like just feeling through what he did. Yeah. Yeah. Tremendous. And, and knowing that he was, he's a child of like the forties and the fifties, it makes sense. It's very, it's very punk rock. Yeah. yeah, And ahead of its time. Yeah. yeah. And the, the other episode that you should listen to if you're, you're into art of darkness is Gurdjieff. Yeah, it's actually yeah. Uh, Bezelbub's tales to his grandson is. Yeah, I was is just thinking the, about that book today. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's this. He, you know, if if Gurdjieff was a better writer, <laughs> he might have written something like Dune. Something like Dune. Yeah, yeah, for sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, another just quick note on Bev because I want to I want I want us to have this arc, and then we're going to go back to the beginning of Frank's life. 1974. Okay, flash forward, age of 48. Beverly is diagnosed with lung cancer. Um, she does survive this, even though she was at one point given a terminal diagnosis. Um, she's given a series of you know, intense treatments. And, and because it's sort of rudimentary still in 1974, at least compared to now, um, she beats the cancer, but takes quite a bit of damage to her heart in the process. She lives for another 10 years, but then dies at the age of 57 after like a long gradual decline, right? So she dies by our standards and by those standards, she dies quite young. Um, uh, She had had a prediction that she would die in a faraway land. um, And she did. She died in Hawaii. They built this crazy compound out in in Hana, Hawaii, um, because he'd been successful for a while before this, but uh, it hadn't always been that way. Um, I want to read one quick thing that Frank wrote, and this will close the sort of focus on Beverly. Um, This is after she passed in a dedication to Beverly that it was in, I believe it was in Chapter House Dune. It was like in the foreword to Chapter House Dune or the afterword or something. Um, And he wrote this about Beverly. And then we'll move on to, to 
to Frank Herbert's origin story with this all in the back of her mind. In her final days, she, Beverly, did not want anyone but me to touch her. But our married life had created such a bond of love and trust, she often said the things I did for her were as though she did them. Though I had to provide the most intimate care, the care you would give an infant, she did not feel offended, nor that her dignity had been assaulted. When I picked her up in my arms to make her more comfortable or bathe her, Bev's arms always went around my shoulders and her face nestled as it often had in the hollow of my neck. Is it any wonder that I look back on our years together with a happiness transcending anything words can describe? Is it any wonder I do not want or need to forget one moment of it? Most others merely touched her life at the periphery. I shared it in the most intimate ways and everything she did strengthened me. It would not have been possible for me to do what, was necessi- uh, what, what necessity demanded of me during the final 10 years of her life, strengthening her in return, had she not given of herself in the preceding years, holding back nothing. I consider that to be my great good fortune and most miraculous privilege. So anyway, I just felt like I needed to tell the Beverly story. She seemed like an amazing woman. Frank was obviously deeply in love with her till the last And it was 10 years of gradual decline, right? You start with a scare that she's going to die of cancer. She gets over that. Oh, no, your heart's no good. And then it's just a slow decline over the course of a decade where he's also at the pinnacle of writer success at the same time, right? So, yeah, yeah. So when you think about the fact that he sells 20 million books at the same time, you got to think about this is a man who is watching the love of his life slowly die young. So, um there's yeah. a there's a deepness of feeling, and uh, you're with, with someone like Frank Herbert. The reason we don't talk about him too much is that he he did the job. Yeah, you're yeah. not. There's no ambivalence of what he did. Right. Um, Mamet uh, says about Bach. He says um, uh, he committed so few crimes. <laughs> spiritual yeah. crimes right yeah. right right so it's like it's with it with who with, with uh with uh frank herbert you're you're dealing with someone like who's you're just trying to cope with yeah. greatness yeah yeah so it, it does not it does not surprise me at all that that he had um that uh that amazing depth of feeling yeah yeah for sure and he met yeah met the right woman for it mm-hmm. and, and, and all he got that. lucky he, he got did. lucky. And you're he right. Did. I actually appreciate you foregrounding that because like it's we've missed out on a lot of Franks because yeah. uh fate yeah. doesn't Yeah, that took him the wrong took him the wrong yeah. way and he, he got lucky. He wasn't lucky yeah. in everything, but he was lucky with that for sure. Yeah. So um so now let's we'll kind of shift and, and Beverly obviously is gonna come up in in the rest of the bio, but I um I wanted that to be there and let's we'll shift to to Frank as a boy. Um, so Frank is born 1920, Tacoma, Washington, um, to Frank Sr. Uh, and Babe Herbert. Apparently, hang on, hang on, hang on, yeah. hang on. 1920, Tacoma, Washington. Yeah, this is this is this is the frontier. Oh, you're you're the yeah. edge of edge of the world. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. For oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I think a pedigree, his pedigree, if you want to call it that, is a little bit interesting. Um. Frank's father had mostly grown up in what was called Burley Colony in Washington, D.C. Uh, state. Frank didn't grow up there, but 
Um, this was an this was a commune that was started by the SDA, the Social Democrats Association or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a splinter group from the I SDA love that. called the Cooperative Brotherhood. Ooh. And this was like a literal commune. It was a commune out yeah. in the woods. Yeah, and um, what they sense. did was they rolled yeah. cigars. They brought in tobacco from Kentucky and rolled cigars and sold them. And they also sold. They had like a factory for like preserved foods and pickles and ketchup and things like that. And it was a fairly functional commune i guess you would call it now when frank jr our frank came along they had already moved his parents had already moved out of tacoma but he had a lot of extended family that was still in the colony so his childhood in part was going to this colony to visit you know grandma or his uncle or whatever so he he kind of saw that this 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 you know somewhat harmonious um thing his father had uh his father would have a string of very working class jobs um, including, uh, what was he? It was a bus driver. He sold electron electrical equipment, which I don't even know what that would have been in the 1920s. He was a car salesman. Uh, and then his mo maybe his most stable job is he was a motorcycle patrolman for Washington state police. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, his, I, I love doing this show uh, because <laughs> so cool. for a variety of, yeah, it's super yeah. cool. You yeah. think about Virginia Wolf, and then you think about like this guy and like your, yeah. your years, light years different. Yeah. Yeah. From, yeah. Well, yeah. And it does make you realize it's like nothing's really fair and nothing's really democratic. No, nope. nothing's really merit meritocratic, really. Nope. But art gets kind of close in some ways, right? A little yeah. bit. It gets yeah. closer than some other things. Yeah, at least he yeah. he wrote a better book than Virginia. He did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I, I love Virginia Wolf. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's not. I'm not. Yeah, but right. they 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 were they're in heaven. They're equals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. then humble beginnings and non not mm -hmm. so humble beginnings. Um, also, just continuing on the kind of the pedigree context thing here, uh, Babe Frank's mother was pure Irish, uh, Irish Catholic, one of 13 children, mostly The one girls. true faith. Yeah, that's right. And uh, <laughs> she claimed, uh, she actually claimed to be in the direct line of Irish royal succession, apparently. So ah, Frank sh Herbert sh is like Irish yeah. royal, ah, basically. Oh, is he? Well, that, yeah. I mean, that, again, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> right, right. God, right. It, the, 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 Dune is super Catholic. Oh yeah. Let's be yeah, yeah. real. Yeah. I mean about yeah. like, you know, sorry prots. I mean, yeah. let yeah. You know, yeah. let's Well, be as real. we said on Twitter, you, Star, yeah. you guys got Star Wars. That's fine. Hey. Like, yeah. hey, yeah. that's a good that's a good movie too. Nerds. Uh <laughs> Now, as may not be a surprise, Frank was a gifted kid. I don't think you're going to hear me say, "Oh, he was a dullard." Um yeah, he yeah. would claim when he would claim later and he didn't boast about this. It was just something he said that when he was tested for his IQ when he was a kid that he scored a 190. But he on also said on his IQ, he must he, have been a verbal, a verbal genius. That was no, the, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the one thing he said was like, well, it leans a little hard to verbal and I don't really know what it means anyway. So whatever. <laughs> um, uh, he, I mean, he, he, you're, uh, hang on. I'm, yeah. you're, you're, I'm Washington state in the, in the twenties, right? Thirties right. to forties out in the woods, out basically. in the woods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the owls are not what they seem. Right, right. We're talking about like you know he must yeah. have been he must and and it's the it's the Catholicism and the mm -hmm. uh, yeah he was yeah. he was raised with probably with the Bible 
It'll yeah, really, yeah. It, it, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. One, um, and this is a good point to know, just still talking about family and things. You know, his mother had 13, a fan, uh, 12 siblings, most yeah. of them women. They were, um, it was, they were very hardline Catholic and were constantly talking about religion and his youth and pressing it on him. And this is actually where the whole ben, idea of the Ben Jesuit came. Yeah. was Jesuit, Jesuit, right? It's, sure. it's right there. Yeah. Um, and then also he took the Mentats from his grandmother, the, the sort of the germ, the idea was his grandmother, who was apparently like impressive at mental calculation. She was one of these uh, people who could like, yeah, multiply, you know, 37 by 112 and, you know, do it in a few seconds. Sure, right? so, sure. So he yeah. got that germ, germ of that idea from, from, from his grandmother. Um, who was probably just a you know a woman who just like made dough and gardened. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't. They weren't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They weren't. In, it wasn't. And this is not a dismissal. It, it wasn't a, a family of college professors. Right. And things right. Like that. Well, this, yeah. this this is that thing that happens uh, on Twitter or whatever on the Bird website where everybody's like, "I'm a first generation." Yeah. You know, co- you know college yeah. student. It's like, well, yeah, okay. yeah. you're are you good. <laughs> good for you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, what are you even talking about? Like, right. we're all, you're all waking up from history. I mean, right. just, you know, welcome right. to the party. Right. Right. Like, right. My mom was 10 of 11. So, I mean, you wow. know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. it. That's it. Let's yeah. go. Yeah. Um, so living out in the middle of the woods, uh, basically, um, they were pretty close to nature. And so Frank senior taught our Frank, all the woodsman kind of stuff, hunting, fishing, trapping, camping, backpacking, taught them all of those things, right? This was something that they shared together. Um, now you take this, combine the fact that he has this, this knowledge about the wilderness, loves the outdoors, and that his parents, as time went on, became more and more alcoholics, to be frank. Um, you got a kid, a precocious kid with a lot of time on his hands. Um, he would go on these crazy, when he was young, he would go on these crazy rowboat trips. He got himself a rowboat somehow. And once when he was 10 years old, he took a 200 mi- uh, mile round trip um, up, what is this, up the Puget Sound to the San Juan Islands alone in a rowboat. Um, he would row out to tugboats and like latch on at times and they would like pull him along, right? 10 years old, all by himself. Um, he also, when he was having these adventures, he would, um, he befriended this older uh, Native American guy who was a member of a, a, some coast, coastal, they said Salish, but I'd never heard of that. I think that's the name of the tribe. Anyway, this guy would teach Frank all kinds of native ways of doing things, of making a hook, of, mm. you know, tracking an animal and mm. those sorts of things. So he mm-hmm. had a pretty rich, deep I see what you're doing that. here. Yeah, I, yeah. See you, you see, I see what you're doing, Brad. Yeah, uh, well, hey. How, you know, that's the whole show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and then there's a big, another big thing happens in his childhood. At eight years old, he tells his family that he's going to be a writer. Right? Eight? Which is eight years old. At eight? Yeah. At eight years old, he tells him that he's oh, going to be boy. a writer. Oh, man. Yeah, Frank. Right? <laughs> yeah, he must have, his dad must have just been like, ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, at, yeah. So at some point, um, Frank uh, Sr. quits his job as a state uh, patrolman 
uh, which must have been a cool job. He's riding a motorcycle out in like he would ride to the base of Mount Rainier, I guess. That yeah, was his route. That's so his that's job yeah, that's like, beautiful out there. Oh, I mean, do you, do you know that part of the country? Yeah, yeah, I've been out yeah. there a number of yeah, times. Yeah, it's, and, it's and, beautiful. Yeah. So you imagine your job is to show some motorcycle patrol friend of, just riding your motorcycle. Friend of the around. show, uh, yeah, yeah Blauergeist. Oh uh, yeah, he's yeah he's yeah. he's out there. Yeah. yeah, I lived out in Idaho and had a job out there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loved it. Yeah, yeah. Um. So anyway, he quits his job and what he and his wife and some some of their friends do is they open a speakeasy um because this is <laughs> like, like you do towards the tail end of, of prohibition um so he goes from being a cop to being a part owner of a speakeasy um they would eventually have a falling out with their partners and get kind of ousted out of out of the speakeasy mm. but it would be go on to become one of like the biggest dance halls in the region called the spanish castle and his father always hated <laughs> himself for having screwed up the opportunity you know? oh really um, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, man so that just made the, the alcohol that just made the alcoholism get worse right oh, just like wow. oh i quit for this opportunity oh, and then, yeah, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Now it's i missed floki friends are rich yeah exactly yeah 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 so um, in high school, so talking, continuing on with this, you know, early life, pre-Bev life, um, Frank doesn't do, isn't that great in high school. Smart kid, obviously. He's again, you see this time and time again. He just, if it's not his interest, he doesn't care. He's just lucky that he's interested in a lot of stuff. Right? I'm, I, I am Frank Herbert. I'm a little, I'm quite a bit. Like <laughs> it's that. it's yeah. actually like, it's, you know, I'm, I'm not Frank Herbert, but it's, no. it's, yeah, I relate to this guy. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. If exactly. I'm into it, I yep. can focus. Yep. I don't need any encouragement, but if I'm not, oof, it's don't care. it takes willpower. Yeah. 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 Um, he does start to do a little bit better in school. Oh, he, he runs away at 17 and goes and lives in Salem, Oregon. He's too alcoholic at his house. He goes and lives with some relatives at 17. Things stabilize a little bit in his life. And so he's able to kind of, he, he gets a little bit enthusiastic in school, high school right at the end because he gets involved in the newspaper. And he realizes this is something that he likes doing. He's a writer. And this is the newspaper. I can get stuff in front of people. I can take photos. He was also quite into photography. Um, and at 17, he actually publishes his first piece of fiction. Um, doesn't have anything to do with the high school. It's in a, did I write it down? Anyway, it's in a, it's in a, I believe a Western magazine, magazine that features Western stories and articles. And there's a really interesting process to how he did it. And I think this tells us a lot about his approach. The fact, the, the left-brained a, um, aspect of his approach. He decided he, you know, he'd said he was going to be a writer at eight. He, sometime around the age 16, he buys boxes of Western magazines and books, reads all of them, and comes up with a formula. Like, this is what you do to write a story, and it will get published. Sure enough, he writes this story, it's a Western, and it gets published, right? Yeah, so yeah. he's figuring out, like... Right, he's... he's, he's him, he, yeah, right, right, he right. He put himself the, through, like, a genre MFA when he was, like, 16. The, the, thing, yeah. about, the thing about this is that, like, he, he, he arrived at feeling through the kind of the back door. Like, yeah, I, I think yeah. a lot of people, when they, they write because they must, mm -hmm. yeah. I, think, I think like he discovered the emotion in writing through the other direction. Yeah, I think that's- I Is think that fair right. to say? Yeah. Like, do you understand what I mean? Insight. Like he's, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you learn the mechanics, you learn that like, and then eventually through a combination of writing and life experience, eventually you start putting something real down. 
Yeah. Something maybe real is not the right word, but something with heart. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. 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 It's not easy to get there. That's no, that's the part that can't really be taught either. Right. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. There's there, there, there will be a day where you are crying at the, at the keyboard. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're a real writer. I agree. Yeah. 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 Been, been there. Uh, (laughs) Um, we're going to get out of high school here in a second, but there's one other note I want to put down. So Frank is fairly left-brained. He's fairly mechanically inclined. Obviously, he's also verbally gifted. Um, but at this time in his life, he seems he seems a little bit more like a STEM kid than he does. Um, than this he does is what I'm writer. talking about. This is what I yeah. mean. It's like he's yeah. deconstructing. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a certain amount of like, I mean, yeah. no, I'm not throwing any shade, but like a certain yeah. amount of autism. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Now the, there was one exception to this that I thought was interesting. Cause I want to touch on the spooky kind of, uh, ethereal qualities and things he was interested in as well. That sort of, excuse me, sort of complement this. Um, so Kevin, do you know about, you might not know the name, but do you know about Rhine cards? Rhine cards? What? Rhine, R-H-I-N-E. So Remember in Ghostbusters, the first Ghostbusters, where they're reading the the. There's, on, there's only Ghostbusters. Well, yeah. By the there's way, Ghostbusters yeah. too. Yeah. Well. Go, okay, okay. 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 Yeah. I do know <laughs> Ghostbusters. Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah. the the psychic cards, right? They have the, right. They have of the, course. Of the course. The shape on yeah. it. You're supposed to guess Indeed. them, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah this yeah. was a big mm-hmm. thing. There was like a somewhat of a, a subculture. There's always been a subculture of the. We we're always hovering around this. And by the yeah. way, uh, you know, uh, the the mayor in Ghostbusters was read one of my plays oh i remember so, that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah he passed cool. away not long after yeah oh. rest in peace yeah yeah great so, actor so rhine cards are a thing psychic psychic uh the phenomena of being a psychic rhine cards yeah okay okay yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he goes on a date this isn't beverly this isn't his first wife this is just in high school he goes on a date with this woman who is very interested in this stuff um, they decide that they're going to do a psychic reading with just playing cards, right? Because whatever, it doesn't matter what the cards on the card. Sure. Um, we're, we're trying to fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, but on this one night, apparently, this girl's pulling cards up, you know, and, and what you do is the reader looks at it and the other person's supposed to guess what it is. This particular night, Frank guessed every single one of them right no. card after card after card after card frank herbert seems like that kind of guy he <laughs> right? really does yeah there's yeah yeah, yeah. there's now something he, about frank herbert that yeah yeah no he could never repeat this feat but you have to imagine like well imagine that happened to you someone like poses this little psychic test to you and you just knock it out of the park it's gonna it's gonna start some gears grinding, right? Even if it doesn't totally blow out, right? Your worldview, right? It's yeah. Gonna be no, like, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I'm. Happens, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Always yeah, yeah. this weird yeah. thing that I can't quite explain, right? So, yeah. so that's sort of in there, and I just want to keep. That's another thing I want to. That's uh, very want to strange. Yeah. That's very strange. Yeah. So when was this in the forties? This would have been no. This would have been like 1937 or eight. <sighs> Man, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna lay it down. America is a very weird place, man. <laughs> it really is. It's yeah. very weird. We're mm-hmm. not. I don't know that we are a hundred percent in the real in America. <laughs> no, I've been I, thinking about this a lot lately. Yeah. 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 No, it's. I think. Yeah. I think there are some very strange things, man. Oh yeah. 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 The owls no, are not what they seem. 
That's that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> that's what I mean. You know, who yeah. who knows what it means? I mean, what you know, yeah. were they stoned? Were they, you know, right, uh, right. It, yeah. Yeah. And then you can't repeat right. it. So it's almost because and you can't repeat it, it's almost like it isn't real, but right. it did if it happened, it is, is real this is this before he yeah. met the witch? Yes. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. You're so, you're just everyone's everyone in America is looking for a witch. Really? <laughs> right. Really? Right. I yeah. mean, yeah. I, I watched that yeah. film, The Witch, recently. It's, oh, it's that's not a, that's so that, that's a banger. It, it that really movie is, is so yeah. good, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, fantastic. We're not this all this stuff. This it's like um the mythology of what it means to be an American. You're talking mm-hmm. about the dream. It's yeah. it's yeah. it's here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Excuse me. So 1939 Herbert graduates um high school. He becomes a cub reporter for the Glendale Star in California. So he moves to California. He I love that. I love that like phrase, crazy. cub reporter. Oh, it's full of Isn't such optimism. Oh, like, Vim. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah I'm going to yeah. get my blue check. Right, right, right. Exactly. Um, he works. Okay, so he gets his job. Glendale reporter works real hard. Um, but eventually decides he wants to be back in the Pacific Northwest and moves to Salem. Um, and then he, this is great how he gets his job at the Oregon Statesman. It's so funny. He, he calls them or writes them a letter or something, finds out there's no positions available. So he stalks down the editor of the Oregon Statesman, shows up on the guy's front yard and like, like sort of like just imposes himself on this guy. And it's literally one of those like, I don't know how I can help you, kid, but you got Moxie. You know, it's one. Of, it's totally one of those. You got moments. a lot of vim, kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. so Frank gets hired. Frank gets hey, hired. Now he's working. You know, for just uh, you know, yeah, just show up. You know, in the mm-hmm. front yard of the guy who, uh, yeah. yeah, what yeah, is it? The yeah. uh, the RV, the RV salesman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah. So a lot of stalking. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it worked. It worked hey. for him a couple times. Yeah. yeah. Now, 1941, he meets this woman, Flora. Flora is not Beverly. Flora is Frank's first wife. Oh. They elope to a courthouse and get married. Again, get married very, very quickly. Hmm. Um, which is fine, except this is literally the same month that Germany attacks Russia, and America is going to be at war any second, and Frank is exactly of the age, right? So Frank's involvement with World War II um, February 15th, he registers for, uh, of 1942, he registers for the draft. February 16th, his first daughter, Penny, is born. So he has a child when he's 22 years old. Uh, and he decides that rather than waiting to get drafted and seeing what happens, that he should env- uh, enlist in the Navy, um, and, which apparently a lot of people do because they think it's safer. Um, uh, well, I mean, you know, you've got the Western Front and you've got, you've yeah. Got, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So he, um, he actually gets, uh, because of his experience on newspaper, he, he gets on newspapers, he gets the assignment to be a photographer and he starts in the Norfolk uh, Naval Yard. He never actually sees combat, never goes overseas. Um, uh, he was, but he, you know, he's making some money. He was, he was, he's a veteran. He's maybe not a combat veteran, but he's doing his part. Um, he gets a letter from his wife while he's at the Norfolk Naval Yard that she wants a divorce. This is 1942. They've barely been married at all. And she sends him, she sends him a note that he wants to get divorced. The story is, and I don't know if this is actually what happened, this is what Brian Herbert says, 
is he was so sort of dismayed that one night he's out walking around kind of, you know, moment of, tr- uh, 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 you know, dark night of the soul kind of situation, trips over a tent, sna- tent stake, bashes his head in, and then gets honorably discharged from the military because he's got a hematoma. Um, and he, you know, he's at risk. If anything strikes his head, he could die, basically. So, you know, in a very short order, married, kid, military, out of the military. Um, he, uh, after World War II, he finds a job at the Seattle Post Intelligencer. You know, now he's a bachelor. He's got a kid out there someplace. Um, he's living in the spare bedroom of some rich lady's house. This is the, uh, this is the guy who's going to write Dune. Yeah, right? <laughs> I'm try- yeah, I, yeah. Truly, I'm trying to like put myself in the, in the head it's, of this guy. It's bizarre. It's like, where does it come Yeah, as yeah, I was reading this, especially this early stuff, I'm like, where yeah. does it come from? Okay, he gets the Ben Jesuit thing from his aunts. Fine. You, but like, where does all of it come from? Did he do acid? That's mm. the, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I don't know that he did acid. He definitely ate m- magic mushrooms for oh, yeah. sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, I, I, I don't understand having to explain to like normies who uh, they, there's this like certain type of American uh, person who wants to appreciate Dune without talking about tripping. Right. <laughs> it's like, right. You're, you're wrong. It's about mm-hmm. tripping. It's a hundred percent about yes. tripping. Yeah. 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 And I'm, and I, you know, and I'm sorry that, that that's not part of your, uh, frame of yeah. reference, but right. it, you can't it, actually deal with that. Yeah. yeah. It, but it's, you know, you're going to want to trip mushrooms and watch Dune and yeah. like, or, or like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's about, tri- it it's is. about tripping. It's, it's oh, for sure. 60s well, counterculture. The dude tripped, people, for- the dude tripped and like wrote it down. Yes, yes. Yes. For people who don't know, one one big indication of this is the fact that DMT, the street name for DMT is Spice, uh, in yeah. a lot of circles. You know, people don't really call it that anymore. But the, for a while, that's what it was. That's what it was called, was Spice. Yeah. Yeah. And that's literally because of the spice in Dune, it's, right? It's, it's, it's not, all there. We're Dune not, is a I'm cornerstone not of American. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's not a LARP. It's if yeah. you if you watch David Lynch's Dune and you go. That doesn't make any sense to me. This is crazy. What am I watching? It's like trip a a heroic dose of mushrooms and talk to me later. Yeah, the connections will form. Trust me. Yeah, it's all right there. Yeah, and it's not um, how to. It's not. I'm not a braggart. I'm not Mm -hmm. boasting. Just Mm -hmm. trip, trip mushrooms. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll all make a lot more sense. No, it's a cornerstone. I mean, Dune is the cornerstone of American psychedelic artistic culture Indeed. for sure. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I'm glad that we're just saying it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's really to. important yeah. to just yeah, right. No, it is. It's it's the peak. We're we're arriving at it through uh, you know, your uh, tail. He's he's yeah. yeah, go on. Oh, well, I was going to say this in American psychedelic culture, there's a lot of music that is easy to point to. There's yeah. even a fair number of films that are easy to point to. There's not that many great novels that are easy to point to in sure. that same category. Well, it's, I feel like. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it, you're not talking about Dune. Yeah, no, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's essential in terms mm-hmm. of, and we don't, we don't talk about psychedelic culture enough, do we? Because the, yeah. it kind of, it, it kind of got like, uh, you know, ripped off by the left. 
they sort yeah. of like took it over and, and now it's all, yeah. But it's, Well, now it's getting turned into, and this is something we could go on for, but now it's getting turned into, and I realize there's great therapeutic use. It's beautiful and it's cool to see that there's studies coming out to support that and all that. But it's, it's gradually, I, I see the shift from a distance getting they're, turned into they're something making it that like dangerous. medical. It's yeah. like a, it's, it's, it's somewhere between, it used to be dangerous and now it's becoming like a vitamin. And it's weird <laughs> yeah. to like, you know, no, I know it's what you're weird saying. to see something's going to get lost in that transition. Yeah. I'm just sure. going to come out and say when you're 17, you should trip. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really oh, yeah. trip, yeah. trip yeah. balls and like, yeah. and come, come back around my, yeah. you know, my favorite uh, quote about that is from uh, Maynard from tool. You, mm. you take the drug so that the drug shows you the top of the mountain so that mm-hmm. you can find your way there without the drug. Yeah. Over yeah. The next, no, I think, I think that's yeah, it. I think that's, yeah. I think there's some I mean, real this, truth to that. This guy, I don't know, you know, and I, I want you to explain to me what happened to, to Frank Herbert, but like, Oh yeah. 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 Okay. I've got a big, I've got a, he's got a very special relationship. He's maybe more important to the history, not just of psychedelics in America, not just in this book, but in like actual nobody day to day, the, the world that we inhabit with the with the microphone and the mm-hmm. the apple and the you know i've got my you know my iphone none of this exists if it isn't for for the acid and the, and the mushrooms oh, yeah. and everything california yeah. and what happened they did yeah. they did ceremonial magic and mm-hmm. now we all inhabit the reality that they concocted right. and good for good or ill for right. good or ill. Yeah, yeah it's not, yeah. you know, maybe maybe we could put that genie back in the bottle. Like it maybe yeah. it would be good if we could go back, but we're not yeah. going to go back. Right, right, right. Yeah, and Agreed. this guy this guy is like super important. Yes. They all yeah. read Dune. They Oh yeah, all no every yes. read Dune. Everybody yeah. read Dune. Yeah. yeah. Anybody with any whiff of hippiness to them who did anything. Yeah. Red Dune. Red Dune. Yeah. Absolutely. Um okay, so he um he was working he's working at the Seattle Post Intelligencer. He uh oh eventually he gets laid off from that. Right? He gets laid off from that because they're trying to make room for combat veterans. He's not a combat veteran. So he he can't work this job anymore. This is right around the time he gets married to Beverly. So he's going to college mostly because he'd lost this job. He meets Beverly, he's unemployed. They decide what they're gonna do for their honeymoon, which is really cool in my opinion is they go and do Firewatch for, I think, a month up on Kelly Butte in, in Washington, which I don't know if you know about Firewatch. And I think they still do it. In large national forests, they'll basically be, a, it's sort of like a treehouse, but it's, it's a little tent, little structure way up above the trees, and somebody hangs out in there during fire season, and they're on the radio, and they just watch to see if there's any fires, right? It's one of these things that people get... You, you get paid very, very little to do it, but it's like people would go and do it as like a, almost like a vacation, right? No, I like this. I mean, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah. Okay. Keep building this story. So it's so so interesting because it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is their honeymoon. So this is, he and Beverly's honeymoon is a month just living out in the wilderness together and it's covered and there's food drops and that kind of thing. But, and because they got together so quickly, this is really how their relationship really comes together you know before they got married had been you know some small number of dates or whatever and this is together um brian their first son is conceived on this trip um 
and all of that. And it's just kind right. of a beautiful moment. Getting, yeah. it, getting it done. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Frank um, Herbert. Yeah. So let's talk about Frank for a minute because now he's an adult in our story. So I want to like paint you. I want you to be able to see him too. Um, <laughs> Does he have a beard? Does he, he have a big a, fat he, beard? He, yeah. He's, I'll show you real quick. I, I'm vibing. I don't know how I, well you know, can see that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He is a neck beard, yeah. a Reddit <laughs> neck beard. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so Yo. so just to, so you could picture him, uh, he's, he was like five foot ten, kind of lean. His son Brian describes him, keeps describing him as burly, but he only weighed 150 pounds when he was in the Navy. So I don't know how burly you can be at 5'10", 150. It's, but that's, yeah, call uh, Dr. Freud. Again, this is a, this is a, a little bit of hero worship on his sure. part, probably. My dad um, wrote Dune. Yeah, that's all you got to say. Yeah. <laughs> he could have he yeah. lacked in every My other My dad category. wrote Dune. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> da, da, da. Um, he, uh, he's, you know, he's an adventurous guy, uh, sort of scattered uh, in, in some ways. But, you know, he's adventurous physically and in, and in ideas, obviously. Um, for instance, he liked to drive extremely fast and would take risks while he was driving. People didn't like to drive with him because of how fast he drove. Oh, no. Um, he's oh, very I don't gregarious. Like that. No, it's yeah. not good. No, I don't he's like He's a very that. gregarious guy and a good talker, but so much so that anytime he was in a conversation, it ended up being about him. It ended up being about his stories. Was he an he only child? Done, what he was going to do. No, he had, um, I believe he had, he had a younger brother and he might have mm. had a younger sister. Mm. Um, but he was but the yeah, oldest. He was the oldest, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a there was a big gap between he and his brother. Sure, sure, sure. Six year yeah, gap. Yeah. Between I mean, you know, he's he. I think I think we're like autism, like yeah, super little, powerful, uh, yeah. like you know, just intense. Yeah, and, and a yeah. high octane kind yeah. of genius. Super I mean, genius. Yeah, right. yeah, it's yeah. Try and keep to... up with me. Why are you not following along? Right. I'm talking. To, I'm right. telling you about the Bene Gesserit. What right. do you? Yeah, right. yeah. There are these right. these these right. space witches. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, I have a story yeah. to tell you about the space witches. Yeah, right. Like right. what? And yeah. Part of and, and and this ties exactly into the thing I want to talk about next. So he because he's sort of like this and he's obsessed with writing. He's super defensive about his, his writing time and making sure it's a priority and he's willing to sacrifice all kinds of other things so he can write. He's not good with kids. Okay. <laughs> um, the, yeah. the guy who wrote Dune is not good with, good with kids. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, he was in, he's impatient with them. He did this thing where he kind of assumed that the kids should already know what to do kind Oof. of thing. Um, and there's another trick, another problem too. So Frank is obsessed with all kinds of ideas. He was very into Freud. He was very into Jung. Um, there's something I got to tell you about one thing that he did with his kids that kind of messed with my head a little bit. So um, this is, he had Brian, uh, Brian who, wrote, um, who, who wrote Dreamer of Doom, but also continued the Dune series after Frank's passing. He had Penny from his first marriage, who he eventually had a decent relationship with. And then he had Bruce, who we're going to talk about more, who he was effectively estranged from throughout Bruce's uh, later years. Um, but this is sort of what it was kind of like to be a son of, um, a son of Frank Herbert. This is from Brian Herbert. Dad was, by his own admission, a man obsessed with, quote, turning over stones to see what would scurry out, with unmasking lies. This was evident in his dealings with his children. He had a World War II lie detector, a U.S. Navy unit, a small black box with a dial that had ominous wires and a gray cuff that he wrapped tightly around my arm. The first time he used the machine on me, 
He accused me of secretly hitting my brother and he was going to get the truth out of me. He said the lie detector always revealed falsehood, which was not, as I would learn later, exactly the case. Admittedly, I was lying about hitting my brother and the machine indicated this, so I got a licking. After that, he used the lie detector on me regularly and on Bruce. If anything came up, such, such as an item missing from his desk or questions about where I had been after school, he would say in a clipped voice, I'm putting you on the lie detector. Let's go in the other room. With that, he would grab my arm and lead me to the machine. On the way, I broke out in the sweat, rehearsing what I would say and how I would say it. Would he ask such and such? My mind was a whirl, full of terror. The machine was kept in his study, and he only brought it out when I was in trouble. It was set up on a wooden table with two straight-back chairs pulled up to it, one on each side. He pointed to one of the chairs, and I slipped into it, shaking. Towering over me, he plugged the machine in and tapped it a couple of times for effect, ostensibly to free a sticky needle. A bare ceiling bulb threw, threw his hulking shadow across the table. Roll up your left sleeve, he said gruffly. Shaking, I complied, and he wrapped the sensor cuff around my arm. A stream of questions and accusatory statements ensued from him, and like a prisoner undergoing the tortures of Grand Inquisitor, uh, of the Grand Inquisitor, perspiration poured from my brow. Dad was too smart and phrased every query in the precise way that put me in the worst possible light. After each question, he studied the machine intently and, and invariably pronounced me guilty of something. According to Howie Hansen, Frank's friend, who disappeared, who disapproved of the use of the device on Bruce and me, dad had a way of rigging the machine to indicate that we were lying, even when we were telling the truth. So that's kind of, that's pretty intense. I, I feel like it's a pretty Don't abuse your thing. kids, people. Yeah. Like really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't hate yeah, your kids. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we're, this is the art of darkness. So we got to find everybody's a complicated problematic figure in some way i am i am and, uh, yeah mm -hmm. yeah and so this is this is one of the this is one of the things about frank that maybe isn't the best doesn't you know is the best quality to have yeah that's uh, it's there yeah um, yeah and i also can't help but see the uh, allusion to uh the gom jabbar scene in dune a little that's, bit right there's right. a little bit of the test a little bit of the we're going to put you under pressure kind of thing it's all sort of right there what is that is the gom jabbar is that what that well, the, is the gom jabbar is the poison um is the, the, poison. the needle the needle yeah, the box that is just yeah. the box yeah yeah, yeah but, yeah. but that's the word gom jabbar is so cool sounding uh, no it's yeah. dynamite yeah yeah it's yeah. uh you know and when you're thinking about someone like like frank Her herbert and you're thinking about someone who was born in the 20s what what year was he born? Uh, 1920. Yeah. 20. Yeah. You're, they are so close. To, they were relative to the way that we live now. They were so close to nature. Oh, yeah. yeah. They were the, the butcher, the butcher down the block would, mm -hmm. you know, would kill the hog. Right. And that right. was what you right. were eating. And you right. would know the hog's name. Yeah. You were yeah. not, you were not that removed. And, right. um, yeah, they were just harder. I mean, well, they, were, got, they were harder. And, and you got to think, okay, so yeah, Frank puts his kids on a lie detector and it's kind of, it's kind of screwed, it's screwed up. I don't think you should do that. But <laughs> yeah. at the same time, a lot of the men that were born at the exact same time as Frank beat the crap out of their kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And it was yes. much more sort of how things were done. And that Frank was just didn't how it was. That, right? So, right. So yeah, yeah they so would they would they would beat they would beat the crap out of the sons and then do worse things to the daughter. It was like not a good. We're we're all so very close from yeah. like 
degrees of like sadism that yeah. are just like, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. read Freud. Right. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, we're not, you know, yeah. Anyway, anyway, that's fun. That's yeah, fun. Yeah. Art of darkness, art of yeah. Right. The, support, support the show <laughs> yeah. at the Patreon. Hey man, it took hey. me a while. It was, it, it was, you know, I had to find that. <laughs> yeah. That's no, not, I mean, you know, that's not the first thing that shows up on Frank Herbert's. Wikipedia no, for sure. Page. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I'm not, I don't want to like, I'm not, it's not apologetics for him, but it's like, no. you're also sort of trying to understand like this thing that, that happens, which is the thing that really is the, is the inciting incident of Dune mm -hmm. is fear is the mind killer. Mm -hmm. The yeah. fear, the fear is the worst thing. Yeah. You can endure anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like, like the, it's that metaphor of, uh, what's it called? The box? Yeah. The box. Yeah. The Gamjabar scene. Gamjabar. Yeah. That, yeah. that box is the greatest metaphor for the nuclear, for yeah. nuclear warfare. Yeah. It's, it's, Interesting. Yeah. yeah, that's what that is. So yeah. it's like, how do you, how do you make a thing? Uh, like World War II, like all of the like the the horror of that. How do you personalize that in uh, in a way that is um, Greco, like Greek, yeah. Yeah. dramatic? Yeah, the yeah. hand in the box. All right, that's right. right. That's yeah. the that's what that metaphor is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Take your hand out of the box and you die, and right? you die. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's so. This is so. What I'm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's, yeah. So, uh, anyway, that was talking a little bit about the childhood stuff. Uh, Frank, until Frank made money as a writer, he and Beverly were bohemian. I mean, in, in serious ways, right? So they get married in 1946. This is really before the hippie movement. I mean, they're old hippies. They're old for hippies for sure. This is this is the but, but this is the thing. It's like the Pacific yeah. North Northwest has always been like yeah. ahead of yeah you know Nirvana and, right. and Hendrix. And, right. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah, man. Yeah. So you know they would he would have a ton of different jobs. They would live all over the place and not you know they didn't live in new york or anything but they lived in mexico on two different occasions in two different locations in in, in mexico they lived in california and oregon and washington and constantly bouncing between all of them they lived in hawaii um they they were sort of always one step ahead of their debts um including the irs frank frank also was not paying child support payments for years and one reason he constantly changed addresses was so that his ex-wife couldn't find him frank. um yeah and then eventually she would find him and then you know um uh but there was never really much money and the one thing i really like kind of respect about him but he also was almost suspenseful in learning about his biography is just how unintimidated by debt he was just like, yeah, okay, so what? We owe them a bunch of money. Like, it didn't really, like, it didn't, yeah. yeah, it didn't sink, it didn't sink I like into that. him. I like, like there's that. something power, there's a bit of a superpower to that. Yeah. Um, um, so, uh, let's see. So, the one thing, oh, so here's another thing that kind of indicates sort of how uh, bohemian they were. One time when they lived, the second time they lived in Mexico, uh, the first time they moved down there with this other science fiction writer, Jack Vance, who was really famous at his time, and they became kind of friends and were going to work on a project together. But the second time they moved to Mexico, because money was tight for a car, they had bought a hearse. They had bought a hearse that had been put out of, out of commission. 
And this hearse <laughs> on the this. side of it yeah. had, um, they kept calling it chapel doors. Brian, the Brian in the biography keeps calling it chapel doors. And I eventually looked it up. The side of the hearse was like a, the front of a Gothic cathedral in miniature. Like it's hard to even visualize, but like you, you would, it looked like the side of a church on the side of this car. And this was their daily driver. Right. And at one point they like painted the hood yellow. Um, they had the wow. back of the hearse. They, they were, a, they were hippies. Oh, totally. Big yeah. time. Big yeah, and time. Driving this thing yeah. all over Mexico. Yeah. Just... They had a platform in the back they had made out of plywood so that you could store all your stuff under and the kids would sit up on top while they were driving around. Like, and it's just the, it's just a wild scene. Um, so anyway, that's a kind of a picture of how they rolled. They're definitely bohemian. Um, <laughs> I like this. And he's yeah. like, I'm, I am dreaming of the, the greatest space yeah. novel. Yeah. And it's built. It's always, it's, I, yeah, it's all the time. that's a vibe. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. he's definitely a Reddit guy. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's a yeah. Reddit guy. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So we're going to get into the writing a little bit more here. Cause he starts to be more and more of a writer. Um, but first, I want to ask you, Kevin, just because I think it would be fun to guess. How many books do you think Frank Herbert wrote? How many books did he write? A dozen? Yeah, that's close. Yeah, about right? He wrote, in, t- in addition to Dune, he wrote the Dune series, which is six novels. He wrote 15 novels. Yeah. Right? So cranking yeah. them out. Cranking right. them out. Yeah. Um, very difficult for him to get them published until Dune was published. Um, I, I, can you imagine like Dune comes across the your transom like yeah, you, you're yeah. you're a, you're an editor uh, yeah. in in New York City yeah uh, you are <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah. a Tuesday yeah yeah and, this uh, mount this phone yeah. book sized manuscript yeah. comes and you're in. Yeah, yeah right and yeah. you're uh, no no I'm not I'm gonna enjoy this I'm really gonna savor this okay and you're uh, what what would you call him? the guy who does coverage for you yeah. Sends yeah. this up to your desk yeah. and says, I don't know. I think maybe we have something here. What is this? And you're just like, well, how does he even, how does Dune begin? Like, yeah. I, like <laughs> how does it even start? You're, you're like, this guy, this guy's a lunatic. Right. You have to, you have to, what is he? He's like, I'm from Washington state. Right. Right. Like right. Well, I've been yeah. living in Mexico. Yeah. Right. Yeah. With my, yeah. in my hearse. Yeah. Right. No college and degree. No, no degree. degree. No. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. No pedigree. Yeah. But this yeah. this sci-fi. Yeah. Was he was he published? Uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Before? Yeah. Yeah. So he had published, and we'll talk about this a little bit. He yeah. he had published a number of times. There were there were a handful of pretty popular science fiction magazines at that time. Uh, Astounding tales, astonishing science fiction, sure, these yeah, kind yeah, of pulp yeah. things were yeah, out there. Yeah, so yeah. Frank, Frank was able to, from time to time, so he was, he was, in, he was in, in these. So when he, when he yeah. dumped the novel yeah. on, uh, you know, yeah. on yeah. your desk, it's yeah. like, okay, yeah. can you even imagine? <laughs> I'm crazy. <laughs> and we're going to, we're going to talk about it. We're gonna um, talk no, about it makes this. me, it makes me happy. Oh, like, it's great. Cause I it's, love like, it. it's like, it was so good. The weight of it, like I, it had to end up where yeah. it ended up. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It couldn't just live in a desk. Um, this first book he gets published though. Um, it ended up going by a bunch of names. Um, we're going to call it the dragon in the sea. Um, it's a essentially an underseas adventure, but it's got like ecological and Cold War overtones. It's basically about yeah. like um, 
uh, fighting over underwater oil reserves that they're mining with submarines. I, right? I don't think that normies appreciate that. Like it's he's he's operating on a level of metaphor. Yeah, that's like yeah. he's playing five D chess. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. about everything. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and Dragon in the Sea was actually pretty well received. I mean, he was kind of considered a rising star in science fiction, right? So, oh, okay. Um, it, was it, it a, was it a novel or a novella? It, it was like, a what? novel. It had been published in a. It had been published. It had been serialized in the magazines first, and then it was put out as a novel. Oh, okay. Um, but right. it did. So he wasn't like an unknown. Not entirely, but after the Dragon in the Sea, like that was kind of it for years. Like, it's like in the 50s, he wrote that. Yeah, yeah, I think it was 1952 or 55. I don't have it. Right I just, here, I, but it was around. It just makes me so happy. Yeah. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to like think about like the guy who drops Dune on your desk, <laughs> right? And it's just sort of like we got to deal with this. Peace. We all have to deal with this now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Like you have to. The, the, the thing about publishing and uh, and and the 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 world of art is that it's very brittle. And yeah. very angry. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of you can probably pick up on a bit of it if you listen to Art of Darkness. <laughs> there's it's, yeah. but there's no, but there's like there's a lot of menace in it, mm-hmm. and like nobody wants to acknowledge genius. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, like yeah. yeah, and then yeah. suddenly you're in New York City. You've you're having your coffee. You've mm-hmm. had a your your third cigarette of the day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're going through a divorce. You're a publisher. Right. <laughs> yeah. And suddenly someone from nowhere mm-hmm. throws that book. Right. And right. you, and you have to, you have to like cope. Right. No, like for sure. Just well, truly. Yeah I, yeah. I think, and I'm not in the position of being a pet, uh, an editor or doing, you know, coverage or any of this, but like, I think a lot of the people who do that are in some way failed writers. Now, whether they failed sort of <laughs> when they were 12 and they gave up on it or when they failed as adults, some part of them, maybe not failures, but some part of them wants to be doing this, what they're yeah. actually reading. And I think because of that, there's always got to be respect has always got to be very difficult to earn. It's always like a, well, this isn't that good kind of yeah. thing. Right. Yeah. Right. Because it's, I- there is a little mm-hmm. bit of resentment. There almost has yes. to be, I think. Yeah, of yeah. course. I mean, you know, yeah. because you, you, um, if you're the one reading it, you sort of, you're the one judging. Right. 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 So right. you put yourself in a position where if someone throws like the next uh, stranger yeah. or whatever it is, or yeah. throws, you know, uh, no exit on yeah. your, on your desk, yeah. you're in a position to judge. Right, I'm, tr- I'm right. just trying to imagine what it's like, like in the, in the early sixties. Is that mm-hmm. when he, is that when it was published? 1965. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. You're, yeah. That's crazy. It's like, yeah. it's like somebody see the Beatles announced themselves. Mm-hmm. Like the Beatles mm-hmm. said, you know, Hey, we're the Beatles. They, they, they did revolver. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then you kind of, you were kind of ready for the next, you know what I mean? Like right. Right. this, this guy just sends you yeah. Dune. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. Right, I can't. Right. I can't. And so you're just up, like, yeah. and you know, and and suddenly, like uh, the Whisper Network, oh yeah, like oh, in yeah. New York, is like this is because they they're all tripping. They're all tripping yeah. balls. They're all tripping. <laughs> they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That they're all doing yeah. acid. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. all doing you know mushrooms. They're all yeah. trying to figure out like what what is going on. They're right. listening to the Beatles. Right. It's like this is the what is the thing 
that is the American, like Dune is the American answer to the Beatles. Interesting. Yeah, really. It is. It Hmm. is. All right. I get to gestate on that for a while. Yeah. It sort of intuitively makes sense. No, it's, it's, it's the, you know, yeah. 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 I just said it. <laughs> no, so it it's amazing. Yeah. No, yeah. it must be. No, but it yeah. is. It is. Yeah. It's psychedelic, and it's oh, yeah. like there's. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> what did I say earlier? Don't make me explain <laughs> Dune to you. We're gonna get there. We're gonna get there because okay. I want right. to tell the story. You bring Got published, but it's not quite. We're not quite okay. there yet. All right. Okay. <laughs> so he wrote. He wrote the Dragon in the Sea, and it did fairly well. He made a little bit of money on it, but not enough to quit. You know, normie jobs, right? But, but enough to be, you know, you're 30-ish and like you got a novel published and people like it. That means a lot, right? Um, but he has to keep working. And another thing, other than, than journalism, his other sort of wing of his normie career was uh, working in politics as a speechwriter. He worked for a number of candidates on their campaigns, but his biggest one was working for Republican Senator Guy Corden. Um, Guy Corden was like this old school senator, like impossible to bribe. He was part of like the, the, the obsolete Republican Party at this time. Like the Republican Party is in politics in general, and we're not going to go too deep into it. It's undergoing a change into the 50s and the 60s. And Guy Corden is part of like that pre-war, pre-World War II kind of mentality a little bit, right? But Frank really believes in him. He, you know, he, he respects the man a lot. Um, Frank not only is a speechwriter, but but ends up being sort of his key PR man. Um, and here's one thing that's important. So Frank actually goes to work in Washington, D.C., leaves the family behind and goes to work in Washington, D.C. for a while. Um, and here's where we get a little bit more of where Frank picks up some of the stuff for Dune. Corden chaired the Interior and Insular Affairs Committee and also served on various other committees related to energy, right? So Frank got to see the sort of the insides of how are these decisions getting made uh, about resources and energy, energy. and land. Energy. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also he's seeing the behind the curtain of politics as well. I mean, he uh, meets a young RF, uh, Robert, Robert Kennedy. Um, he is there for all the McCarthy stuff. He's in Washington, D.C. Not all, but he's there when that's sort of the thing. He meets Harry, Harry Truman, who's, you know, past his career as president, but is still sort of looming around. He's in, he's sort of, he's not at the nexus he, of all this stuff. He but he's leaves right his there. family in Washington and then goes to Washington, D.C. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, hmm. right. So, but at the same time, he's writing through all of this, right? So yeah. he'd just work all day and write all night, and he didn't care. There's no indication of Frank carousing at all. Anywhere. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah, had, that his, makes he had sense. his issues, right? But he, apparently there was very... I, I mean, yeah, you, was, you, watch, you watch the, the new film, and it's just, yeah. it really is pure. It's, mm-hmm. it's so there's just, it's, it's very, very <laughs> difficult. No, yeah. it is. Like, I did yeah. not like it the first time that I watched yeah, it. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I was looking forward to talking to you about it because I loved it. But I also yeah. didn't think it was – I to me, it was like, well, nobody's ever going to make it exactly right. And what would that even mean? And this right. seems like about as good as you're ever going to get. That's what it felt like to me. Yeah. And then I enjoyed I was, it as an experience. Yeah, no, yeah. I – you know, I it, for me, the first time I watched it, I did not like it. It was okay. too um, intense. Yeah. Do you know? And then, yeah. and then watching it again, it, it, 
it's I'm gonna have to watch it like five more times. Yeah, I'm gonna watch. It which is too. which is yeah. about as as good as uh, as. It oh, that's gets. a huge commendation, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, no, that's what I want. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah, I, you know, I just I don't. There's hmm, Western civilization is falling apart. Yes, around us. Yes, and yeah. we need Dune right now. It's. I think it's I said extremely this to important. It's the closest thing, and this is irrespective of the contents of it. It's the closest thing we've had to a monocultural event in years. Yeah, like, yeah. that everybody went and saw. The, the right? dudes, the dudes need Dune right now. Yes, the, the yeah. bros need Dune. Right, and right then now. you take that and you yeah. put the content, the the content with it. You know, yeah. It, it, yeah. it works. It's and it's we a, need to do art, this Art of Darkness episode about Dune right yes, now. It's right. really important. <laughs> yes, really, it, it, it is. Like it, it is. is it is actually. Yeah, yeah it means yeah. a lot to me. You know, it's yeah. not. I'm not. Yeah, boasting. Yeah. It's just it means a lot. You can't. There will always be a new generation of bros who want to talk mm-hmm. about Dune. Yes. and if you're and if you are a Dune bro, <laughs> like you're at least interested in ideas. Yeah, it's for it's sure, right? Super yeah. important. Yeah. So, like, like you know, and then now that you're going into it, it's like, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You start yeah. to see where the pieces are all coming from, right? And yeah. I thought this period where he was working, sort of in politics, was really interesting because the politics in Dune are fascinating. The maneuvering, the strategy, the machinations, the like all the 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 chess, the the chess that's being played between the different families and. And you start to think that, okay, he was starting to see what, what are the motives that are stated and what are the actual, what are the second layer down motives? And then what are the third layer motives? And then what do you go below that where there's groups who've been trying to maneuver things for generations and what are they trying to do? And just seeing how all of that kind of fits together. I think he got a glimpse of that in Washington, D.C. Um, or and he obviously extrapolated it and turned it into his own thing. Um, but he's working for this guy, Corden, and Corden loses his next campaign because, again, he's part of the old guard. The new guard's kind of moving in. So now Frank is, again, he's out of work. This is, a, this is when they actually, um, this is when they do their second trip to Mexico. Um, uh, now, this is kind of what's interesting. So that dragon story, the dragon in the sea, uh, what, did I, what did I call it? Dragon in the heart? Dra- the dragon in the sea. It was actually pretty successful, made him some money, was kind of popular, got decent reviews, including a good review in the New York Times. His hey, next book. Yeah, yeah the, the paper of record. That's right. His next book, which is not uh, Dune, he can't get anybody to publish it. Nobody will publish it. Now, the question might be is like, all right, well, why didn't it get published? Because in my head, you get a good review, like somebody should give you a shot, right? Like, but here's the thing about Frank. He, though he did that thing where he read all those Western books and came up with the formula, later on, he couldn't constrain the vision. So he would write things, every, almost everything he wrote after The Dragon in the Sea was of an inappropriate length. It was either too long or too short, <laughs> right? It was the yeah. second book he wrote, I think it was called Story Ship. Um, it, it was too much of a detective novel for like the science fiction crowd. And it was too much of a science fiction novel for like the detective noir crowd. And there was a little bit on the too preachy side. Like he hadn't figured out how to integrate the, the, the didactic components. So they yeah. fit into the story. Yeah. Right? That, that, that thing of the, that is, that is true in Dune is mm-hmm. there, there's a quality of polemic. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 And but, it's but a little it, on the nose he, at times. And yeah, yeah, but he, when he, but when he hits the note, it's, yeah. it's perfect. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Right. Yeah. Cause he, cause he eventually figures out how to get it. So it's, it's inherent to the story rather right. than just like something somebody spouts off. Right. right. And that, it's, and that's the thing where everyone yeah. comes to him and says, are you trying to start a cult? Right. It's that. <laughs> yeah. Are yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> what do you want from me, Frank? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And they were, and, and the whole world in the sixties was screaming to be remade. Oh yeah. The yeah. world wanted to be remade. He, mm-hmm. th- this guy is watch uh, two movies to watch right in a row. The master. Oh, God, Dune, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh I yeah, mean, yeah. You're, yeah. you're dealing with someone who is that like level of consciousness. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Oh man. The master. Yeah. The master's a banger. Uh, okay. So, um, all right. So they go to, they go to Corden. Uh, he loses his job with the guy Corden. Mostly not because he didn't do a good job, but because Guy Corden is no longer a guy in Washington, D.C. They try to go to Mexico again, um, and they, they kind of can't quite get anything off, off the ground. Frank kind of can't get enough things going money-wise um, from publishing stories, which was part of the plan of moving to Mexico. It's like, hey, we'll go there. It's beautiful. We'll live cheap. I'll be able to get some stuff published because we'll be able to live cheap. And then, you know, when, my, when, our career, when the career takes off, maybe we can move back to the United States. They run out of money before that happens. Um, and money is after Guy Corden, the, the, the work with Guy Corden for a while, money is kind of hard to come by. So we kind of stress to you how broke they were at times. And this is as, you know, this isn't when they're 20 year old lovebirds. This is when they got two kids, you know, bills to pay, child supports, hunting, hunting them down. He owes money to the IRS, right? Um, uh, now he did have jobs, but... Uh, Let's talk a little bit about a couple of the tricks he would do. This is the level of poverty they had at times. Now, it's not the poorest people ever, and probably not even the poorest person we've talked about on this podcast, but they would have to do things like, um, and Frank had all these tricks. One trick was he would sign up for every mailing list he could, so he would get as much junk mail as possible so that he could compress the junk mail into like fire logs that they could burn in the stove. Right. Patreon.com slash art of dark pod. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's no, that's no good. Yeah. I don't want to be right. That's pretty broke. They would, yeah, it's um, pretty broke. Yeah, they yeah. would celebrate Christmas on January 6th. Frank would call it. Well, we celebrated on the feast of epiphany, which is January 6th. But the real reason that they did it is because they would buy all of their Christmas gifts for their children during closeout, you know, Aww. clearance sales right after Christmas, Aww. right? So, so it was That's difficult sad. to come by money, and they were up in, in quite a lot of debt, right? Well, he it's probably because he was a schizo redditor. He like <laughs> probably he probably was unbearable. Oh, a in a lot of ways, I think yeah. he probably was. Yeah yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's probably true. I like him. I, yeah. Yeah, I want him to win. I want yeah. him to write Dune. But, right, right. But it's right. also like you can sort of see how the guy who wrote Dune. Mm-hmm. It was a problem. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and, and Brian would kind of say this about him. His son would kind of say this about him. He was a little bit much. He's sort of like, you know, he, he, yeah. conversations always ended up being about him. Right. And, and he was competitive 
not competitive in like sports and things necessarily, but like he, he always wanted everybody to know that he knew more than anybody else in the room about whatever sure. they were talking about. Right. Yeah, it's that yeah. kind of thing. And yeah. he had the encyclopedic kind of like, like, Oh, we're going to have a glass of, we're going to have a glass of wine. And then he would go off for 45 minutes about the about various the vintages. And they, sure, you know, sure. he's one of those kind yeah, of yeah, dudes. Yeah. Um, which yeah, is, could be tiresome for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's exhausting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Doing the podcast. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, so, now the fifties are kind of broke, right? And, and, and there's a period of precariousness, but there's something that happens. And I, I read and I read and I read to try and figure out what exactly was the shift. And I don't know that there was a discrete point, but at some point in the late fifties, Frank learns how to write for real. Like he oh. learns how to transcend pulp. Because that's right. what he'd been operating. Well, that's that's old. the thing about the thing about Dune is that mm-hmm. yeah, you pick it up and you know you're reading literature, right. right? But it's it's literature that's steeped in in the pulp, like you're yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All the imagery of it from it is pulp. All the like the the the, the high level thirty thousand foot view of like a scene is pulp, but but it's going deeper than that. Somewhere in the late fifties, he figured he learned something after all these hours and years at the keyboard of trying to crank out stuff that mostly people weren't all that interested in with a few exceptions. Um, so let's talk about like where he got the ideas for, for, for Dune. So we talked about the Ben Jesuit thing um, with his, 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 Jesu- his Catholic aunts, you know, Jesuit, Jesuit. Um, we talk about the political maneuverings in Washington D.C. that he got to got to see firsthand. It's so um, perfect. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I'm sorry. It's just yeah. it, like as an American Catholic, it's like it's, it's yeah. so perfect. Oh yeah, yeah, and a yeah, lot of yeah. it is it, right. It's 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 a it's definitely a Catholic novel for sure. He now, but here's one thing that he was able to do. This is part of the reason he was able to do world building so well. He was a fairly mechanically inclined guy, and so, um, like. In this under, there's two interesting things about the um, about the submarine novel, which I didn't read, but are interesting to tell you more about what Frank is like. One is Frank actually like built a mini submersible, not to go into, but like something that he could like sink and kind of play with to understand how it would work, right? So he did it like in a bathtub or something like this. Um, he the idea he came up with this idea just for the sake of the book about a flexible barge so that when you fill it up with water or sorry, fill it up with oil, it's not some huge tanker thing. You fill up a tube, a really long tube and you drag it underwater. And then when it's empty, you can just roll it up and put it on the deck. This was actually turned into a real thing that's in use now by um, a British company that, and they sell it to, to oil oil refiner like deep sea oil platforms frank invents this in a book when he's like 28 years old right this tech this technology that is later actually put into use right so he's he comes up with like things that actually work and that's this is where you see in dune the still suits and the you know he's able to he's able to see the problem and then see what the solution is to it and then yeah. see what that solution's implications are for what it's like to live in that right he he's, can see he, all those levels yeah he's well he's an american yeah, he's right. an American. He's yeah. a practical. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I just think it's kind of brilliant. There's almost like a Da Vinci quality to him in a certain sense. Right. Yeah. And, and Da yeah. Vinci was another that. kind of genius. There's something about like, 
you know, the ornithopter thing. Like, wow, we got to figure out a way to make a thing that the dust can't mess, like, you know, and then understanding all of the implications of that. So now, but here's the big thing that is the big dune. uh, Okay, so another thing. He's also super interested in, in psychology, psychology, psychological theories, philosophies and religions right he's very well read that that comes across like in the books yeah yeah Yeah, he's very interesting he's He's steeped in like freud he's actually friends with alan watts at one point oh really pre pre fame he's he's friends with alan watts so he's got these he's got these these many many sources and dune what dune ends up being is he somehow he finds a way to finally bring all of it to bear on one he's so interesting because like he's somebody who could have invented apple computers right yeah 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 but he just decided to write a novel right right, he decided that was the that was the approach oh yeah and then to to get his message across in the early 80s he bought some ridiculous personal computer system that was like a one of a kind did he yeah yeah yeah. of course of course yeah yeah Yeah. he saw yeah yeah so um now (laughs) now the question is all right so he needs he needs a central idea to create Dune, he needs a central idea to bring it that, that allows spice. him to, to yeah, spice it's is definitely spice, one of the them. Spice. spice is definitely one of them. But here's here's the official Brian Herbert story, okay? And remember, the Brian Herbert story is a little bit of hero worship, a little sanitized. He just says, "Well, Frank did peyote once, and he didn't like it, and you know, might have smoked weed one time." I love. Yeah. For the record. Yeah. I've done a lot of drugs. <laughs> I am big up, big ups on drugs. I'm all about the drugs for real. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. no, oh, it's yeah. just, it's so dumb. All these, all these guys from like the fifties, they're all so cute and right. coy about right. like, Oh, right. maybe I, maybe I did. No eh, big yeah. ups on drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially big psych- fan, especially the psychedelics, man. big fan clearly, of drugs. Clearly. Yeah. 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 Clearly. Yeah. 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 Open my mind. Yeah. yeah. I mean, same here, man. There's, yeah, man. There's no denying that. Um, uh, okay, so here's the, here's the, and we're going to get some more drug stuff, I promise. Particularly in the Patreon episode, I got something great ah, for us. Ah, yeah. Um, yeah. Artofdarkpod.com. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, 1957, Herberts are living in Portland, Oregon. Beverly is the breadwinner. Okay, Beverly does a copy, she's writing copy for a department store. She's actually pretty good at this kind of work, marketing, that sort of thing, right? So she's the primary breadwinner. Frank decides that he wants to go back to Tacoma. That's where home is. Writing hasn't gone well, right? He's now, he's 37. He's got two kids. He doesn't have a job. He doesn't really have a good prospect for a job. His writing career has failed so far. You know, he's starting to have a little bit of, again, of like a dark night of the soul kind of situation. Um, so he convinces Beverly to go up there. Beverly's, w- Beverly's down for whatever, right? They go there. She finds a job in the Tacoma area. Great. Now, just before they move, Frank hears this interesting story about a U.S. Department of Agriculture project on the coast of Oregon. And what the USDA apparently has figured out to do here is to limit the, um, the movement of sand dunes on the coast. They have a real problem with these sand dunes getting blown by, by, you know, winds off the ocean and like going over roads and clogging storm drains and generally just screwing with the territory. And they figured out a way to limit this by planting uh, what are called poverty grasses. It's just grasses that will grow in sand basically. And this prevents the erosion. And it's so successful that people are coming from all over the world. Like people are coming from Israel and like desert countries to see like, okay, can, is this something we can do, right? This is like kind of revolutionary. 
Frank hears about it in USA, like, baby. That's right. All that's day. Right. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yep. Now Frank is like, well, this is really interesting. Maybe I can write like a feature length magazine article about what they're doing with these dune grasses. <laughs> what they're doing with the dunes. What they're doing with the dunes. Dune. Yeah. Dune. <laughs> so so he he and this is kind of interesting. He charters a little private plane to fly him up over it so he can take photographs. He's not under contract or anything. He's unemployed. No, this is just like a this is just like a, a hire a plane. He's a red he's a Reddit neckbeard. Yeah. Just yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna fly over the dunes. Right, right, yeah. right, right. And now one thing that I think interested him about it, and it doesn't say this out out loud in the Brian Herbert biography, but but what I think I think what he was interested in partially was the idea that you were gonna take this thing, this sort of unstoppable force of nature. And then you were going to take nature and you were going to come up with like a more holistic thing. Not, you're not going to build a wall. You're not going to put fans up. You're going to actually try and somehow in an integral fashion solve this problem. But you're going to plant grass and now it's a green hill. And, you know, I think that appealed to him. Yeah. That, yeah, I like, see that. That's sort yeah. of like, you know. It's, 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 it's that West Coast kind of hippie. Yeah. It's yeah. A, terraforming. It's, right. It's kind right. of neat. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's yeah. not, you're not wrestling with nature. You're, you're f- f- trying to flow with it. A well, little. and that's, I mean, that's what Dune is. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Now he, he takes his mother into the desert. <laughs> Somebody on Twitter said something great that was like, uh, all Dune's about is going out to the desert to do drugs with your mom. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Kind yeah, of is. Yeah, it is in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So now, okay. So he's got this idea for the story, right? The dunes, what they're doing with the dunes, all that. He, um, he sits down to start writing it as just a feature length article. He's going to sell it to who knows life magazine. I don't know where he's going to sell it. He doesn't know where he's going to sell it, but he realizes after like a week or two that like, Oh man, I got something way bigger on my hands. Yeah. Oh, oh, he's figuring it out. Right. Like the pieces this start is the to metaphor. come in. The right. metaphor. Yeah. Oh, right. no. And then he's starting to imagine like, wait, this is where he, he drops a- acid. Yeah. This is where, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And he starts to think, well, wait, what if you had a whole planet that was a desert? What does that mean? You know, and then this thing starts, co- and then, okay, now what he knows what about year, Islam. Wait, this, this, this is, this is the early was, 60s? Yeah, this would be like 1958. And he's starting, he's starting to think about Islam now? A little bit, yeah. Well, he started thinking like, well, what is a desert? What right. are desert cultures? Well, you know, Islamic sure. cultures, Arab cultures. Sure. So he starts bringing that in. Starts yeah. stuff he already knew about Buddhism. Stuff he knows about everything, because you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just got this encyclopedic mind. And again, I think Dune is he found he found the thing that could hold everything he knew, and he it could get just it in there. Dune. Right. 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 Wow. I'm tripping, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah. am. I'm tripping. Yeah. yeah. So so he spends. Now, this 1957, he starts writing it. It takes years to get it done. <laughs> Beverly, do you? I'm, I'm sorry. Research. I, do you understand? No, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But can you imagine, like, sitting down and you're, you're like, I'm gonna sit down and write Dune. Like, <laughs> what does that even look like? What does it look like? Yeah, I don't know. It's. I mean, I don't know what. I would like to see his office during this time. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. books are around? What's, honey, up on the, what's up on the honey, chalkboard? How whatever? is Dune today? Right. How, <laughs> how is it Dune? I'm, I'm, I mean, yeah. like, I'm really trying to imagine. Yeah. It's, it's about what, what, is your, what is your book about, honey? Right. It's about space, space people. 
Like yeah. what? What do you, you have start? To, you, yeah. yeah. Where do you even begin? Like it, it's, I mean, I guess, I guess in the fifties you have some context. You can right. say it's a science fiction novel and da da da. Yeah. But, it, but imagine, you're inventing the future. Right. For sure. And I imagine for most people that he talked to, he probably put it in the context of like pulp science fiction adventure. Right. Like, I'm writing the kind of thing you read in any old science fiction, right? That'd be the easiest thing yeah. to point to. Yeah. The, the context here is important, I think. Beverly is the primary breadwinner. She's got a good job, but they're not rich. She's not an executive or something or, you know, whatever. She, they're doing okay. And he's just staying home all day working on this crackpot book. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's, like, it's a, psychotic. Right. It right. is psychotic. I mean, yeah. let's just like, you're, you're now, as soon as he sits down to write Dune, mm -hmm. you're a madman. Yeah. yeah you've got, sure. you've got a, a kid by an ex-wife and yep. the IRS wants your money. Yeah. You're, yep. this is ne full never blown. Had a, never had a job for more than like two years at once. Right. Yeah. This is, right. he's, he, he is of all the people that we've done, he's over the bridge. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and there's, there's yeah. got to be like. There's no family money. There's no, like, nope. you're, nope, you're, nope. but I'm nope. going to write Dune. Yeah. It's, it's delusions of grandeur in a way. Oh, yeah. You know, it's just that they worked out, so they don't seem that delusional to Right. I mean, th there yeah. are, for every, every Frank, uh, Frank Herbert, there are a, a thousand yes. guys, you know, or yeah. women who don't make it. Right, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So now, so he spends years writing this book. At some point in the early 60s, they moved to San Francisco, mostly actually to advance Beverly's career. Not for it. He didn't have anything going on in San Francisco. So to advance her career, she got a good job opportunity up there. Oh, um, hey, feminism. Yeah, man. And she was uh, smart. She was a smart cookie. Yeah. She was organized. Right. She was effective, right? So like, good for her. Um, this this episode is like, she's the reason we have Dune. Oh, yeah. So, that's Beverly, why, I want, that's yeah, why I wanted to start yeah, with her. She's, dynamite. She's, yeah. She deserves a lot of credit. Helpful. Um, yeah. um, now, also in the 60s, they live in the San Francisco area for most of the 60s. They befriend people like uh, Robert Heinlein, who's very good friends with, with the Herberts. They meet Alan Watts and a number of other sort of less well-remembered science fiction writers. He knew Isaac Asimov. Um, these, you know, he became first name basis. A lot, he was friends with a lot of these people before Dune was even published, right? He sort of just integrated them into that himself into that world. Um, now, let's see. Do I want to talk about? Well, so here's the thing. We've talked a lot about Dune the book. We can talk about it more. The one thing that's been interesting to me is as I was reading it. And I've, re I've read it three or four times now. I read it once earlier this year before I even thought to do this episode. And I just read, I just, <laughs> read just, just pick it up, Dune, yeah. randomly. Yeah, <laughs> just yeah. reading, uh, and I no just, big deal. I read just going to read Dune. Dune. Yeah, that's right. I read, uh, I read Dune Messiah just recently. And um, yeah. the kind of thing I realized is like, yes, okay, it's science fiction, fine. And then it got me thinking like, okay, well, what is science fiction? Like, what do you mean? What do people mean when they read science fiction? I think about and, that a lot. And how yeah, does this yeah. fit in and how does it not fit in, yeah. right? So let me give you a couple of definitions of science fiction from people who ought to know. All right. Rod Serling, uh, you know, friend of the show. Friend uh, of the show. <laughs> fantasy, fantasy, is, fantasy is the impossible made probable. Science fiction is the improbable made possible. I don't really like that definition that much, to be honest. 
Isaac Asimov, who said in 1975, science fiction can be defined as that branch of literature which deals with the reaction of human beings to changes in science and technology. Okay. Somebody named Darko Suvin, who I'd never heard of, but I kind of, I was interested by this definition. Science fiction is distinguished by the narrative dominance or hegemony of a fictional novum. You can tell this guy's an academic. Uh, novum is, by the way, for the rest of us, is novelty, a novelty or an innovation. Um, uh, validated by cognitive logic. So it's like you got something weird and then you show why it logically makes sense that that, is a, that weird thing is, right? Um, Philip K. Dick's got this long definition, um, but I'm going to read just one part of it. Uh, about science fiction, there must be a coherent idea involved in the dislocation that, um, of science fiction. That is, the dislocation must be a conceptual one, not merely a trivial or bizarre one. This is the essence of science fiction, the conceptual dislocation within the society so that, as a result, a new society is generated in the author's mind, transferred to paper, and from paper, it occurs as a convulsive shock in the reader's mind, the shock of disrecognition. He knows that it is not his actual world that he is reading about. So that's another kind of way to think about it. One thing that strikes me about what's going on in Dune, and that maybe the, why this book is personal to me, and, and, and I know this show isn't about us, but, but I can't help but, but feel Dune in my own work, right? And I don't write you know, space operas necessarily, but the one thing I, I didn't realize how influenced I might have been by it until reading this biography and really thinking about it hard is the, a lot of the weird innovation stuff in Dune is actually happening inside people's heads. It's not really about the technology so much. There's technology there for sure. And it's a far advanced future and there's some weird things going on there. But the presence of, of magic, of like the vague psychic powers, yeah. of being able to see through time. The yeah. seeing through time thing isn't technology. They find a drug on some planet and then they take it and they can see through time. It's the, right? thing, about, the thing about Dune is that it, Dune is history. Dune is mm. not Dune is not science fiction. Dune is not predicting any future. No. Dune no. is telling us about our past. Yeah, you're right, right, right. And and recontextualizing. It's represent it's a representation of 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 myth, basically. Yeah. And Dune, yeah. And part of the reason I think Frank sent it so far in the future is he wanted to make it so there's no way to draw a line in calendar time between now and then. There's no way to say like Okay, the world of Dune is because, well, John F. Kennedy gets assassinated and then this happens and then this happens and eventually you have Dune. He put it so far forward that like it severs any continuity from a, from a timeline standpoint to what's going on now. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, you know, in, in, what, is, uh, what is Star Wars, right? In a galaxy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, how does it, how does it, how does it yeah, go? Far away, galaxy far away, a long, long time something, ago. Some, something, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it, it, that's the point is like the future is the past. I mean, we're, yeah. because of the Protestant Reformation, like we're, we are severed from our own mm -hmm. history, mm -hmm. like, in, like, it, like yeah. in the West. And it's, and it's, it's very, like a, a very serious way. And that's the thing yeah. that no one talks about. And everyone is like, you know, coping with constantly. And it's yeah, like well, every, one you know, of those things is if you get severed far enough away, you can't even really tell you're severed because you don't even know what you're missing. Yeah, away, exactly. Right. Exactly. It's like, yeah, this yeah. is, this is not a, you know, this is not a Catholic podcast per se, no, but, no. but it's, but it's there. I mean, you know, yeah. and, and it's so that, you know, this is, 
I'm glad that they finally made Dune. Yes. My big beef with Dune, the new Dune, is that it does not trip hard enough. I agree. But I, I watched it. I watched it a second time and I I I liked it more the second time because yeah. I think that they did it on purpose. Yeah. 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 I think that they yeah. Mm-hmm. It'll be really interesting to see what move is made in part two. Oh my God. Because I but part right. two in the book, like the parts that have not been covered yet in the book are even more psychedelic. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it ramps up and we're yeah, not yeah. there yet in the film quite. So right. it'll be interesting to see how that all gets handled. <laughs> well, yeah. I, you know, they they have to, they absolutely have to make the movie. I mean, you know, yeah. It's, oh, yeah, there's no way around it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They, Protect they, Denis Villeneuve at yeah, all costs. Yes, right. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> our guy, our guy. Yeah. I, you know, the other thing about Dune that, that like... Hmm, how to say is that it's the new dune is about it's about a guy who loses his father yes and that yeah. means a lot to me god mm-hmm. love him. i lost my dad when i was very young man yeah. and like so the first time i saw it it was like i could it was it was very very hard it's fundamentally yeah. about like that which oh, all, yeah. all great drama is it's mm-hmm. about how do you um how you know all, all it goes all the way back to you know how do you live in this world when you are the when you are made the patriarch patriarch of like oh yeah yeah, yeah. i yeah. mean that's and, just and, and the most obvious thing and fatherlessness yeah. and motherlessness is a is a a trope that goes back to the first stories that anybody ever wrote down. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's always just, been there. It's how do you live in the it's world? It's because how, it's how metaphorically deep it is. It resonates with you because you will actually go through that in some way. <laughs> yeah. But it's also deep. It's it's also yeah. heavy on like a metaphysical level. You know? Yeah. It's, it's, and the, yeah. the thing that thing that I appreciate about this new Dune is that it really does get that. It mm-hmm. it, it nails that in a way that's like. It was hard to watch. I mean, yeah. it's really intense. Yeah, yeah there yeah, was a yeah, couple. Yeah. There was a couple things to me that were that were, um, and I don't want to bag on the David Lynch version because I think <laughs> part of why that failed not failed, but the part of the shortcomings of that were it was they didn't give it enough time. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. too it's too fast, and so they didn't get to build out some of the things they could. But two of the things um, that I think were better in this new version were the relationship with Paul and Duke Leto, his father, who Oscar Isaac did a fa- fantastic job. That relationship felt real. Yeah, it feels, it feels like a real, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the almost the secondary chi- child-father relationship between Duncan Idaho and Paul was better. In the Lynch version, Duncan Idaho is not charismatic. He's not compelling really in any way in particular in the new film like it feels they feel like the thing about the new the the new film though too is that it's just cool yeah it's very cool it is very cool like i'm you know like (laughs) and it's it it was always meant to be cool yes yeah yeah Yeah. and the first one is too like like oh yeah lynch's dune is cool too oh like in a way that worth a watch yeah 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 yeah. anyway all right yeah no i you know that's what it's all about we're just talking about dune right i mean you know let's let's talk about how cool i mean it's very cool Oh, and dude, it makes when, the, me, when the Freeman come up out of the sand when they're attacking, uh, I, I, yeah, 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 I yeah, almost yeah. lost it. Yeah, I yeah, just, yeah. I was, uh, I felt like so I was cool. fourteen. Years and then old I, I even, I, you know, I even enjoy, you know, their like the first time that I watched it, I, I had a hard time, and because yeah. it's it it, we're you know, it means too much. 
it means too much. So you're, you're, you're putting so much on it. And, and like, but the second time I watched it, when they walk there, when he wanders into the desert, leading his, his mother into the desert, into the desert, it's just like, it's perfect. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so let me to I'm going to talk I want to talk about the uh, the story of Dune getting published here in a minute but I want to give this is some information some connections that I didn't quite make but I suspected were always there okay this is from the Brian Herbert biography again um, and this is just talking about where his dad was drawing stuff and so there's Zen Buddhism and there's Islam and there's well, you know the Zen Zen Sunni is actually the religion of the Fremen right like there there's these interesting which is zen and sunni islam right there's all these all this stuff's building but these connections he'd made deliberately that i wasn't aware of so for the names of heroes he herbert selected from greek mythology and other mythological bases the greek house atreus upon which house atreides and dune was based was the family of kings menelaus and agamemnon agamemnon a heroic family was tragically beset by flaws and burdened with a curse pronounced on them by thyestes King Menelaus was the husband of Helen of Troy, whose abduction by Paris led to the Ten-Year Trojan War. Menelaus's brother, King Agamemnon, led the confederated Greek armies in the war. Upon returning from Troy, Agamemnon was murdered by his wife, Clytemnestra. This suggested the troubles Frank Herbert had in mind for the Atreides family. The evil Harkonnens of Dune are related to the Atreides by blood, so when they kill Paul's father, Duke Leto, it is kinsmen killing kinsmen, just as occurred in the house of Agamemnon. I cannot say that. Agamemnon. Yeah, I kind of know it, but as I'm reading, it's like... Yeah, no, I know. In Greek mythology, Leto was the mother of Apollo and Artemis. In Dune, Duke Leto is a man, the opposite sex of the mythological base. Dad said he did this in order to highlight a Janus facing in the story. Janus was an ancient Roman god with two bearded faces, one looking forward and the other looking backward. One of the children of Duke Leto, Paul, can look far into the future, while the other child, Aaliyah, can see far into the past. The Reverend Mother Gaius Helen Moiheim was in part named after Helen of Troy. The characters fit classical archetypes from mythology. Paul is the hero prince on a quest, as described by Carl Gustav Jung, Joseph Campbell, and Lord Raglan. One of the books my father studied, Raglan's The Hero, published in 1936, outlined 22 steps followed by classic heroes. These included um, A, the hero's father is a king. B, the circumstances of the conception are unusual. C, he is reputed to be the son of a god. D, an attempt is made to kill him at birth. E, after a victory over the king and or a giant dragon or wild beast, he, F, marries a princess, um, uh, and G, becomes king, right? So the broad, this is what broad I mean. patterns, uh, Frank isn't inventing them, and, and none of us are inventing them, really. Um, he's, he's doing this in a focused way. Now, you see the same thing of reading all of the book, the box of the books of Westerns to figure out the formula, but now he's doing it at a level at which almost no one has ever other no one else has ever done it right yeah yeah because yeah, it's all in what you put in those spaces and how you make it feel it's it's not about a dramatic plot that nobody's nobody's ever seen before necessarily right it's about telling the old stories in a it's, new way yeah it's and, i mean yeah. we you you verge on cliche mm-hmm. uh as soon as you start to talk about the hero's journey and all the right. rest of it but right. we really do want that story we do because yeah. it's how we survive 
Right, right. It's, exactly. it, it really is fundamental. You're talking about um, earlier, like technology, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, it's right it's, there. Yeah. Well, and, and all the big adventure movies in particular, Star Wars does this. It's part of the reason yeah. it was so popular is it follows all of these steps. And, yeah. and even most movies now, they don't necessarily do the whole hero's journey, but they do a little part of it, right? It's like, yeah, that's like true. two or three steps of it or something. Yeah, like yeah. Right. Instead of the whole thing, because you can imply the rest of it often. Yeah, so, that's a good point. I hadn't yeah, thought about that. Yeah, yeah. so... Yeah. Um, that's that's a it's again protestant yeah yeah a bit (laughs) we're not going to tell the whole story (laughs) okay so now we're going to talk about (laughs) i want to talk about dune's actual publication because i i I found this story i you you take 90 seconds i gotta i gotta stand up i gotta go i gotta use the bathroom yeah yeah yeah. all right look at this we're this is gonna be a long one yeah yeah we're done yeah yeah. okay i'll be i'll be right back you want to keep going yeah, yeah, I'm coming okay. back. All I right, I gotta use a bathroom. Okay, so here is the uh, here is the story of how Dune gets published. So, um, in 1960, Beverly's got this job in San Francisco. Um, Frank makes friends there. We kind of talked about this. Now, the story, the legend is that. Uh, Dune was rejected 23 by 23 publishers. And now this is sort of true, except for the fact that it was accepted for publication immediately by the magazine Analog. Analog was one of these pulp science fiction magazines that came along um, in kind of in the wake of astounding science fiction, which I think had been shuttered a couple of years before. Um, and they were going to run it between December of 1963 and February of 1964. Um, they paid Frank $20,000 in today's dollars, which is not too shabby, except for the fact that been, he's been working on the book for six years. Now, um, it's also kind of hard to imagine getting paid any kind of money for publication in the magazine for writing fiction, but that's a 2021 problem. Um, now, this was just the first part. This was, this was um, what, if you're reading the, the first volume of the Dune series, this is book one in the book Dune. Um, this is what he gets paid $20,000 to serialize an, an analog. Now, when he's trying to get it published as a book, this is where we run into problems. Um, it was rejected by 23 publishers. Many thought it was quite good. Now, there was an editor who said, this might be the biggest mistake of my career, but I'm going to pass. And sure enough, it, it would be the greatest mistake of his career. Um, a big part of the problem was, it's just too big of a book to print and market. Uh, or at least that's what these editors think, you know, it's, it's, it's too big to, to publish all of Dune in each part. So, so the book Dune is separated into quote unquote three books, but they're all one volume. Dune Messiah is sort of Dune part two. It was too big with the three parts and each part wasn't quite enough to stand on its own. Right, so so publishers didn't want to publish it as a, excuse me, as a three-part series, and publishers didn't want to publish it all as one, and so he's kind of left in again this position that had haunted him through his attempts to publish short stories and things that he didn't, um, he had very little respect for the conventions of the medium when it came to format and length and that sort of thing. Um, so the question then is how. Okay, so nobody wants it. 23 publishers reject it. How does it actually become a printed thing? This is, this is the story that I, I loved about it. Okay, so it's in Astounding Fiction, or sorry, it's in Analog, and it does pretty well. It gets a little bit of a readership. There's this guy named Sterling E. Lanier, who was a kind of a small-time science fiction writer himself, 
and he was an editor of Chilton Books. Um, Chilton Books still exist to this day, and they're primarily known for publishing automotive manuals, uh, appliance manuals, business to business magazines, trade publications, and that sort of thing. It's still what they do to this day, and this is what they did then. Um, when books two and three of Dune, still of the same, what we know of as the first volume of Dune, but when they start to get serialized, uh, Lan- Lanier reaches out to Frank Herbert's agent. Uh, Lanier wants to publish all three, uh, Lanier, who wants to publish uh, all three parts of Dune one that have been uh, put into, have been serialized. But obviously it's too big. Obviously it's too long. And the question remains, you know, why did they let him publish it? He works for Chilton. Chilton publishes manuals for cars. They publish how to put together office furniture. Whatever. Wait, what? So, yeah. so who did he send this book to? <laughs> what? So after getting rejected by 23 publishers, um, Sterling Lanier, who's the editor of Chilton, uh, Chilton Books, reaches out to, her, to Herbert's agent. Um, Chilton Books okay. yeah, yeah. publishes automotive. They, they still have on to this day. They publish automotive manuals. They I love publish, this. They publish business to business magazines and stuff, trade magazines. And stuff. All they my still, mutuals just start, yeah. start sending your, yeah. your schizo tweets yeah. to, uh, <laughs> yeah. And this is what they, what's crazy, even crazier. This is what the, apparently, this is what this company still does now. Right. They did it then. They published Dune and then they do it. They still like they didn't they didn't switch gears. Really. That's hilarious. Right. That's no, amazing. No, well, we just published yeah. one of the most important novels of the uh, 20th yeah. century. Yeah. 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 Back to back to business. As usual. <laughs> back to business. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, there's an interesting thing. And I, I, Brian Herbert, Frank Herbert's son, says this. Uh, he doesn't say this in writing any place, but he said this in, an, in a talk he was giving. So the question is like, well, okay, why did Sterling Lanyard do this? And why did they let him do it, right? Why he's working, he's not the president of Chilton Books. He's an editor and, you know, he's got some sway. But why, apparently there were some people at Chilton Books that effectively wanted to give Sterling Lanyard enough rope to hang himself. They were trying to get rid of him. Are you they were kidding like, me? They were like, this kook wants to publish. Yeah, let him do it. Let's see how that goes. I we'll get love rid of that. Right, yeah, I right. love that. It's so great, right? This show is a friend of all Sterlings. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> that's so, amazing. This so, is, I mean, this is, yeah. the thing about Dune is like, it's the most American story. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. so American. It's incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, the Stones, the Beatles, you have all that. That's, mm-hmm. they're oh, like LARPing, uh, you know, our our blues <laughs> and our music and da-da-da. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is us LARPing Western civilization. Right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. We won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We did. Well, it's That's it's dynamite. And book. Villeneuve, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Frenchman comes in, kills That's it. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Actually, I don't know. Is he French or is he? A Quebec- Quebecois. Quebecois. I don't I know. He might be Quebecois. I don't, I don't know. know. Um, so, so anyway, Frank sells it. The Frank's human like, torch was denied a bank loan. <laughs> I know I've been going on. I've been I've been rapid fire here for so long. I'm starting yeah, you're, to. Yeah, you're you're killing it. No, I'm, um, I'm, yeah, I'm so it. so Frank sells. So Frank's like, hey man, nobody wanted to buy this thing. If they want to put it out, let's do it. Chilton pays a- him seventy thousand dollars in today's dollars. Not 
Dude, it's not bad. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Well, he'd already it's not Floki money, but he'd you know. already made like uh thirty thousand dollars, I think, having it serialized in Analog Magazine. Oh. So so far, yeah. So far Frank's in on. They're starting to. Yeah. He's. I think that he. They probably because again, it's a situation of like gr- the grudge, right? Like mm-hmm. they're probably like, oh, this is something. Yes. Yeah. 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 So um, so yeah. So nineteen sixty-five comes out. It would win um, the Hugo and the Nebula. I think it was the first year of the Nebula Award. For people who don't know, these are like the these are like the Pulitzer for science fiction. Uh, maybe that maybe that's not quite right. This is the big award. You know, you win a Hugo, you win a Nebula, you are a, a big deal it's in a the science deal. fiction world. Yeah, it's yeah. a big deal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Your peers are are acknowledging what yes. you've done. Yeah. 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 And, he, and so Dune won, you know, both of these books and he would win some for the sequels as well. Um, the, so, the, uh, just yeah, go hang on. They're so good. The books are so <laughs> they are. good. They are. I, I can't yeah. overstate how yeah. good those books are. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're fantastic. Yeah. They're just, they're so good. You, I was from, blown away by Dune Messiah too. Actually. Incredible. I had read it years ago, but I, yeah. I really, uh, I mean, I read it, I think as a teenager and I'm much, I, I I, now that I've read so much more, like I understand like, oh yeah, this is just as good as anything. Else. It's the thing, the thing about it that's so difficult is that like it is in conversation. When, when you read those books and you try to like appreciate other art, mm-hmm. everything is in reference, going to be in reference to Dune. Yeah. It's yeah. corny. It sounds corny, yeah. but it's, it's they're they're in conversation with, everything yeah absolutely so it's like that's why neckbeard nerds you know love it that's why we yeah deserves it yeah it deserves it it's it's amazing you're you're yeah it's as good as it gets it really is so if you have folks out there haven't read it like just read dune it's it's, just go read dune and listen this isn't like and also like i have a lot of books that i think people should read that i understand are difficult like i think most people should probably read ulysses and moby dick but i also get that like eh, it's kind of hard you know Dune, this is not no Dune, it's fun to read it's Dune a banger dune's yeah. a banger yeah, yeah it's yeah, a yeah, page yeah. turner it's yeah. not confused there's nothing you don't have to know everything about there, what happened and you know yeah it just works there's something it, about it where it yeah it just works like you said yeah, it's yeah. it's it it lives on its own terms mm-hmm. and it just sort of like it, it grabs you from the from the go yeah it, it, it's recognizable the world of Dune is a world that you know somehow. Right, right. right. Yeah, yeah, you've kind of had a precognitive dream about it. Or well, and that, and right, and that, <laughs> yeah. that's the metaphor of what <laughs> right. it is, right? right. Like we're, yeah. we're all living in, well, you know. Yeah. 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 yeah, so, okay. So I'm going to tell back up. So now, so once Dune gets published, it's just more and more and more and more success. It never, it never, it, the, 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 you know, the train never stops at this point, right? So uh, I'm not going to hit every point of his career necessarily because it's all pretty much up. But I do want to, I do want to, I love that. I I do want to talk about his family. Yeah. I was going to say, how's he doing at this point? Yeah. So obviously, you know, he's excited about this. He continues to work a normie job until he's like 20, uh, I'm sorry, until like 67 or 68. He quits, he quits right at first when he sells the book, but then he ends up having to go back. He becomes the um, education editor for the University of Washington. 
or sorry, for the, the Seattle Post Intelligencer, but this puts him in relationship with the University of Washington. My right? dad, I think my dad went to the University of Washington. Really? It's a good, yeah. it's, apparently it's a very it's good a, school. It's a good school. Um, um, one thing that's interesting that happens on this is during, and this is, we're flashing forward a little bit, but it's, it's worth noting. As the, working for the Seattle Post Intelligencer, he meets a guy who's doing like agricultural science at the University of Washington. This guy invites him to go to Vietnam and learn about like agricultural planning and land use and that kind of thing. Um, but the Vietnam War is happening. Like, and Frank goes. He goes on like a, like he's going to write an article about land use in Vietnam mm. while there's a war happening. He ends up writing a bunch of articles for the Seattle Post Intelligencer about I, the Vietnam War and further like embeds himself into the, the, like the hippie culture, right? Because the, he's writing front page articles. They were, about the they, Vietnam War. they were not built the way that we are now. Like right. the, the writers of, of old were yeah. not, yeah, yeah. they're yeah. wired differently. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, and then there's some other things kind of going on. Now his kids are starting to grow up, obviously, 1960, you know, 1965. I think Brian was born in 1948. So, you know, he's, he's, is that right? Yeah. So he's like coming to be like 20 when Dune comes out. Now, Brian. That generation. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a, bo he's a boomer. Um, it's funny because I read this doggy. and in my head, he's a kid and they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, he, um, now Brian and Bruce had, difficult relationships with him the whole lie detector thing his dad's kind of dictatorial he demanded silence when he was working so much so that the kids would kind of just leave the house often um because you know when then he couldn't handle a creaking floorboard outside right, or anything yeah, you know yeah um trying to think about like what that was like to yeah to yeah. be the, the son of the guy who wrote dune right, right trying to imagine yeah yeah, yeah. and, and the thing is is you could be angry with him and be like, why is he in there? He's writing these stupid stories. Nobody cares. He's not being my dad. He's not blah, 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 blah. Oh, he wrote Dune? He wrote Dune. Like, wait, what is it? What happened? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not to nerd out too like, hard, but I mean, you know, it's... Yeah, it's sort yeah. of like reverse justify. It's, like, it it's the, 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 the thing about, yeah, the thing about Dune and, and this whole thing is like, you're not, nothing in life will ever be as grand as the vision that you execute on the page. Right, right, right. That's the whole problem. That's, that's why yeah. we all gripe about the movie. Right, right, it's like right. It's, it's never gonna... It can't quite, it can't can, quite it do it. It will never, you will never live up to like whatever is going on in your head, dad. Yeah. Can you imagine? <laughs> right, right, right. It's like, right. you know, you know yeah, you're, what yeah. are you left with? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah hey, so... Ur-Catholic. Yeah. Oh, Super for sure. Catholic. Yeah. 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 So, um, so Brian has a strained relationship with his dad that wouldn't, that wouldn't change for Brian never read to so Brian who wrote the follow-up novels along with another guy um, following Frank's death wrote additional, you know, continuations and prologues and things of D the Dune series. Brian never read any of his dad's writing until 1974. Um, he's almost 30 years old because he kind of resented his father and how he'd used his time. Now, eventually they would come together and they would be quite friendly and, and spend a lot of time together, but it took a long time. I mean, it, it, Brian was like 30 before they could really talk to each other. Now with Bruce, it was a different story and this is going to get a little bit dark. So Bruce, a little bit younger than Brian was uh, gay, closeted through most of his teenage years um when they were living in he was a gay 
Is that what I said? <laughs> no, I'm just he was he was gay. He was, he gay. was homosexual. Yes. Um, and while they were living in San Francisco, he got really involved in the drug scene, and not necessarily the kind not of the, drugs, not the fun drugs to, like, like Dune. Yeah, right. No. He was getting into methamphetamines Ooh. and things like that. No. Good. And now Frank never put too fine of a point on this. But Bruce would claim this later, and it may have been true, that Frank and Beverly could never accept that he was gay. And it apparently strained their relationship right up until the end. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, as Beverly was getting sick, it was like, family, you know, come be with us, come be with us. Well, not you, Bruce. Um, and, And so... Yeah, so I just want to kind of lay that there. That's sort of there, and it's hard to ignore. I read this uh, Reddit thing, and, and this isn't verifiable because it's just something I read on Reddit where, like, um, a guy said that his on Reddit said that his dad had briefly worked with Bruce Herbert in, like, Iowa someplace, and they were doing, like, HVAC work or something, and it took some time before Bruce, like, said, like, yeah, you know, Frank Herbert's my dad, and eventually, you know, he said, like, yeah, I mean, he just never – would let me be part of the Herbert. Like, oh, I, really? I kind of wasn't allowed to be part of the family in a way oh. after a while. So, and who knows how true that is. And I'm sure there were conversations and, you know, whatever, but, but, it, but it's certainly there. Um, so, um, no, let's, you know, we've, we've yeah. got to stop and, you know, that's tough. He's a human, I mean, a, he, that's, you know, he's a human yeah, being. That's right? tough. That's kind of, I mean, you know, you know, yeah, no, it's, yeah. this is the, probably the thing that we're not uh, supposed to talk about, which right. is, you know, how you lean into it. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that's, no, that's not good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wonder. Yeah. <sighs> so, so, to, yeah. um, kind of we're getting close to the end i got a couple okay. of things i gotta to touch on here. Uh, we can Brad, talk. brad's got a couple of things we can could, we can we can talk as much as you want about dune because I, I dude i want to nerd out of, dude, I, I love we could have just done an episode where he's nerded out about dune for three hours but that wouldn't have really been the art of darkness way uh okay so 19 sorry 1965 uh dune came out 1969 dune messiah comes out it's a little bit less well received because for people who don't know dune messiah only has like two action scenes in it the rest is like all like either like just like back room maneuverings weird conversations (laughs) religious visions (laughs) and then it kind of just then then paul just walks out into the desert yeah it's very like yeah it's great it's brilliant but it's not it's not Buck Rogers. It's very like, <laughs> and I loved it. I was there yeah. for every second. Yeah, yeah amazing. But, um, but yeah, it's it's I'm it's. Sorry. A, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not gonna make it. Yeah. So uh, now, sixty nine. Now here's the other thing between between Dune coming out in sixty five and Dune Messiah coming out in sixty nine. Frank writes a bunch of other books. Most, some of the stuff was stuff he, he'd been trying to get published and nobody wanted. A book called The Green Brain, a book called The Eyes of Heisenberg in 1966. The Eyes the of Makers. Heisenberg. It's a good title. Yeah, it's a uh, good title. A book called The Heaven Makers in 1968, a book called Santa Roga Barrier in ni- also in 1968. Most of these were also sub, uh, serialized in, in science fiction magazines before. Um, let me give you a rundown of Santa Roga Barrier. Yeah, Barrier. let's go. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to talk about all his books, but I want to yeah. pick one and kind of tell mm. you. So we can get Dune's one thing, and that's enough for anybody. <laughs> but, <laughs> but 
I think if we can yeah. see what he wrote in another book, maybe we can get an even better idea of how Herbert's brain worked. Okay. So this is just from the Wikipedia, but I think it's good. A psychologist, Gilbert Dasein, literally the same Heideggerian concept, Dasein. Dasein. Dasein? Okay. Yeah, Dasein. Uh, I, I, I trust you on that. The right. thing. Yeah. 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 Uh, is hired by corporate interests to investigate Santa Roga, a Southern California town in a valley where marketing seems totally ineffective. Outside businesses are allowed in, but wither quickly for lack of business. Santa Rogans aren't hostile toward the enterprises, they just won't shop there, nor are they xenophobic. They instead appear mattingly self-satisfied with their quaint local lifestyle. Adding an element of danger, the last few psychologists sent in have all died in accidents that are seemingly perfectly plausible. Complicating matters further still, the psychologist's college girlfriend, Jenny, has returned to Santa Roga, her hometown. With this in mind, uh, the psychologist cautiously enters the town and quickly learns of Jasper's, an ad additive in the food and drink commonly ingested in Santa Roga that seems to imbue the consumer with greater health and an expanded mind. Within the Santa Rogan community, Jasper's was described as quote-unquote consciousness fuel, which opened a person's eyes and ears and turned on their minds. Those who consume it don't become psychic. Instead, they're simply far more lucid than the average citizen, although there are numerous hints at uh, a group mind operating at a subconscious level. Their newspapers are vaguely subversive with their folksy, enlightened commentary on world, affair, uh, world affairs. Their dinner conversations knowledgeably reference great theories of psychology, politics, and cognitive science, right? And I could keep going, but... No, it's, it's, very, it's very funny. It's like a domestic dune, in a way, <laughs> sort of, right? Like, it's like a, it's like kitchen sink dune. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, you know, it's the theater. Yeah. Right, right. It's so funny. Kitchen yeah. sink dune. <laughs> um, dune is awesome. Yes. Yeah. So 1969, Dune Messiah comes out. Um, it's like I said, it's, it's kind of weird in terms of depending on what your expectations were. Um, but he gets a big boost from uh, Kevin. Are you familiar with the whole earth catalog? That ring a bell oh yeah oh yeah. oh now we're now we're talking yeah. now yeah. we're yeah of so, course yeah. Whole catalog steve jobs these, referred to it as google mm -hmm. before google yeah these was, people invented the future they really did it was yeah. like a hippie magazine but also a product it was like a catalog mm -hmm. yeah it was like a zine but you could buy stuff through it mm -hmm. and then there was just articles about various like sustainability things or various you know far out ideas and mm -hmm. and the first yeah, they issue invented had the a, future they really did. They, they really did. did. And a lot of like the early generation of like Silicon Valley tech bros were all whole earth catalog like, oh, yeah. collectors. Right? They're on the, the mailing Jobs. list. Yeah, right. for yeah, sure. A lot of them. Yeah. Steve Jobs the, and all those guys were. I yeah, don't know yeah. about Bill Gates. He was probably a little too tight. No, he was. But, he was yeah. Uh, but uh, so the first issue of whole earth catalog did a big spread on Dune. So that like that. That there you go. Boom. Solidly. Boom. He, Boom. You know, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. So, you know, he's influential on the thing that was influential on everybody else. Everything else. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so yeah, we could do, I mean, <laughs> digging into the whole earth catalog would be, and it's not maybe even the right fit for our show, but it would be fascinating for somebody out there to do. Well, you um, know, well, yeah. we got a lot of time. We could get there. Artofdarkpod.com. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, 1972, Herbert that's, published- That's that. actually crazy. Like, I, I, yeah. I, I knew that without knowing that. Oh, like, it makes I sense. When I read it, it yeah, makes yeah. It perfect that's, sense. I yeah. mean, it's, he's, you know, he was pivotal to this mm -hmm. whole thing. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, 1972, Herbert publishes his only non-science fiction novel called Soul Catcher. Um, 
it's what? almost won the National Book Award. Um, what? Robert, Robert Redford tried to turn it into a movie for, for years, and I, couldn't, I can't remember if it, they didn't say why it never ended up getting made. Let me just read the back of it. I read Soul a little bit of it. I have a, I have a nice vintage copy that a friend Looks good. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's right. um, that's good. So the back, just the back of it. No longer Charles Hubahead, imitation white man. He was Katsuk, the center, the core from which all perception radiates. And his victim was David Marshall, 13-year-old son of an undersecretary of state, an innocent from the modern white world chosen for an ancient sacrifice of vengeance. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Not safe for work. No. What the fuck? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, what is um, going on? Yeah, pretty intense. Uh, I, it, I read, I didn't get a chance to read the whole thing, but it's pretty sure I read some you of it. Forget, you forget that those guys, yeah, they were all, yeah. they were all. Oh, he was out there for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, and now by the time... <laughs> you, yeah they were all out they were far out oh, man yeah oh yeah they were sure. so far out for sure mm. now by the early 1970s so 72 that book comes out herbert can frank can honestly do whatever he wants at this point yeah money he gets at one point he gets um he has a class at the university of washington in the early 70s it's a, technically a politically science a political science class called utopia slash dystopia that's what the class is called <sighs> It's about utopian societies and misstructures. We, it includes a survival weekend out in the woods where it's he so no instruction. It's so up. unfair that we're that we're doing a podcast. <laughs> it is so unfair. <laughs> I want to run this class. Anymore. I want to run this. Yeah. yeah, utopia dystopia. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't a writing class. It wasn't a right. literature class. It yeah. was it was it was a whole Earth catalog class, like. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, Can you imagine? Oh, it would have yeah. been great. Oh, in my the, God. So they did this survival weekend, and he gave them no instructions. You were just supposed to show up, right? <laughs> I love One it. girl came yeah. with a suitcase wearing high heels just because they were like, well, I don't, I don't know what we're doing. Like, yeah. And she had to survive on the weekend. In the woods Frank. Weekend, right? Yeah. <laughs> Frank. Crazy, right? Amazing. Um, he also, they buy, uh, he and Beverly buy, um, after he starts making some money, he, they buy six acres on the Olympic, Penin uh, Olympic Peninsula in Washington, um, and they name it Xanadu. Xanadu, uh, yeah. yeah. Now he's balling. Oh, he's, he is. He, so oh, he's getting it done. Yeah, and this yeah, is the early yeah, yeah, 70s, yeah. right? He's Ooh, cool. He's popular. Yeah, he's cool. He's famous. He's, he's famous. famous. Yeah. It, he's not famous in a cheap way either. Right. Like, he's, he's like respected he's as good yeah. as it gets. Yeah. He's, exactly. re he's respected like intellectually mm. and creatively, but he's also cool. Right. Yeah. Which isn't those yeah. two things don't always go hand right. in hand. Right? Led Zeppelin. Right. Yeah. 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 So he's right. You get there. to be backstage with, with the Zep. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. It's great. It's great. Yeah, and he's, yeah. You know, he, in a way he's one, right? It's 1970s. Yeah. He yeah. believed in himself. He goes, he buys this, uh, this Xanadu. He's doing these weird sustainability projects out there where like, he's like building like a solar, uh, a solar <laughs> yeah. furnace and like that all rocks. these kooky projects that he's yeah. doing. Um, no, no, this is yeah. the kind of fame that I want to have. Yeah. Yeah. That's the fame that I want. Yeah. A compound out in the peninsula. I want a compound. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it's going ah! really well. And be because of this level of success, he's able to start Let's knitting, go. knitting his family back together, right? Oh. He's bringing Brian back in. He's bringing Penny in more. He's, be he's be 
he's he's sort of pay, starting to pay back all of his years of ignoring people and whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, so it's going well, and the money's coming in, and they're, you know maybe they're spending a little more than is coming in, but it looks like he's uh, skyrocketing. So who cares? Because the next book's going to sell a million copies anyway. We're good. And then in 1974, Beverly gets sick. Right? She's in her 40s. Right? She's 47 years old, something like that. It's early for her to get sick. She gets cancer. We talked about this a little bit. She gets cancer. She gets cured. She gets cured basically from cancer, but the pro- the the treatment damages her heart, and she never ends up recovering for that from that. It's Ten years of, of kind of slow decline. Um, now, in these ten years, Frank. It doesn't necessarily happen right at first, but Frank starts to flop rather than being dependent on her to take care of everything. He starts to take care of everything for her, right? He's managing, you know, maybe her appointments. He's, he's carrying her at times. Um, when she's feeling a little better, she would often swim. He had a pool built so she could swim laps. That was like her, the best form of exercise. So he would make sure she could do that. And, you know, he would, he would you know, stand there and jump in if she, she started to have a hard time. He was there constantly. And the thing that started to destroy Frank a little bit was he did that, but he also didn't give up on writing. So all he did was just not sleep. So for years, he's sleeping like three, four hours a night, right? He's just, just, and just kind of gradually destroying himself yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then by the time you get to, we're going to kind of speed up here because I think a lot of the interesting stuff in terms of how did Dune, Dune come about, we've kind of already hit a lot of that. Um, but the slow kind of decline, he starts to build this place out in Hawaii um, and I don't know if you've ever been to Hawaii, Kevin. Listener, some listener out there, I'm sure, has done the Road to Hana, which is a big tourist attraction in, in Hawaii. Um, he built a place in Hana. Um, and this was a place, it's, it's like far flung, but at the time, everybody who lived out there who wasn't a native Hawaiian was like a celebrity. Like Charles Lindbergh had had a house out there and like a number of other, there's some famous actor from like the golden era who had a house yeah, yeah, out there yeah. too, right? Cool. And it's out, it's remote. Like, right. you know, you can't get electricity out there. It's a, gra- you know, it's a dirt road to get out there, but you're on the coast and you're looking out over the ocean in, in this place that they gradually built. Um, and this is where, Beverly wanted to end. She, she wanted, this is where she wanted to be when it all, when it all ended was out on this Island. Now it didn't happen right away. So um, we've got to talk about one thing here too. So starting in 1980, um, we're starting to talk about doing David Lynch's Dune, right? The, the conversation has begun now. Alejandro Jodorowsky has already tried and failed to make Dune. Um, I don't know if we want to go into that too much, except to say that literally, I don't know if maybe it's my favorite. One of my five favorite documentaries of all time. I have a poster of it right there. Yodorowsky's Dune is a yeah. documentary about the attempt to make by Yodor, Alejandro Yodorowsky to make Dune. Alejandro Yodorowsky, it's, it's over his oh. right shoulder. Yes. And I yes. Can, he has the poster. Yeah. The poster yeah. for the documentary. Right? For the documentary. And it's very yeah. Dune-like. It's very... Yes. Now, yeah. the cool thing about that project, there was a couple of things. One, Alejandro Jodorowsky is a freaking madman. Yeah. And I, I don't even... It's, he made The Holy Mountain, which is the, one of the trippiest movies of all time. Yeah. Almost incoherent. John Lennon. Also tri- John trippy. Lennon loved The Holy yeah. Mountain. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. He made El Topo, which is this crazy psychedelic Western. 
And then he tried to make Dune and he made nothing but insane decisions. (laughs) Salvador Dali was going to play Baron Harkonnen, right? Um, Pink Floyd was going to do the music for one of the planets. Every planet was going to have its own (laughs) score. And he hired like the Rolling Stones, Pink Floyd and somebody else. to Yeah, that rocks. Right. That rocks. He brought in, he brought together the special effects team, including um, Giger, um, who would later go on to make like contribute to like Star Wars and stuff. Like he brought them together and the project failed, but they were all like, now they were yeah, they all, guys. Yeah, they, of course. They, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like this weird thing that never happened. They were all the tripping. Influence. They were all yes. tripping balls. They were oh, all yeah. stoned to the gills. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah, that's absolutely. that's how we that's how we should be again. Yeah, we all have to trip, my friends. <laughs> trip, trip. I'm down. I'm down. Sign yeah, me up. I'm so I'm so down for the yeah. like the future of like like when our generation trips and like yeah. Yeah, finally, yeah. finally gets around oh, to doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, watch Yodorowsky's Dune. Basically. Watch Yodorowsky's Dune. It will make you. He wanted. This is the cool thing about Yodorowsky making that film. When he talked to people who were going to be in it, he would ask them, "Are you ready to be a cosmic warrior for me?" Yeah, like that was yeah. what he wanted. That's he was it. like, "We are fighting. That's it. Like we're like." fighting this hundred like, percent metaphysical battle yes. by making this film that's right? what that that's what that movie is about that's mm-hmm. what that's what dune is about yeah dune is yeah about a cosmological uh, cosmological war yeah and and yeah. yodorowsky yodorowsky knew that yeah. yodorowsky knew that i think david lynch i'm sure understood i think that david lynch well. knew that yeah, yeah. yeah. no and david yeah. lynch the, there's issues with that film and i think <laughs> primarily the issue is it's not long enough david lynch tried to make a four and a half hour movie and then he didn't have final cut right oh yeah so yeah, it just yeah, got yeah. slashed into nothing yeah yeah, now, yeah now the other thing is they were trying to make the studios were trying to capitalize on star wars right right they're trying like this is the star wars but it's better Mm-hmm. And so there was all these weird merchandising decisions. Yeah, There's yeah, doing coloring that. books yeah, yeah, and yeah, doing, yeah. like, and eh, it didn't make any sense. It was the most heavily at the time, the most heavily promoted movie ever. It had a bigger that promotional dude, budget than anything. That's hilarious. That, that dude. And it had a pretty high production budget too, but the promotional budget was through the fricking roof. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and there were all kinds of merchandising ideas. Beverly actually had some funny ones. Frank Herbert's wife. She said they, they should make a big stuffed like sandworm for children is one thing she wanted to do. And then she also wanted to do a breakfast cereal called Melange, right? Which, <laughs> which would like turn the milk awesome. yellow, you know? Yeah, yeah that's like, awesome. hilarious. Yeah. yeah. The spice so, best flow. Yeah. So, so you know ultimately the movie didn't uh, end up making a profit but it was a big deal at the time it was heavily promoted the book was popular you, you know you, the book was people people uh, because you have to contextualize this in terms of like lynch at the time yeah. like yeah that was after um uh, after the elephant, elephant man, man yeah. i think yeah yeah, yeah. which yeah. yeah which was you know he was the new he was hollywood's Idol. Right. He, he was, was the, the big. Thing. He was the next thing. He was going right. to be the Spielberg from the right. Midwest. Right. Yeah, right. and then he drops right. this on on everyone. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and it, everybody was looking forward to it. So the premiere was attended by literally a thousand people, including Ronald Reagan was there for some reason. Ronald yeah. Reagan claimed to have really liked it. 
I bet. Yeah. Very, well, you know, very good taste. Yeah. 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 Well, you did. Yeah. Yeah. So just it's, an interesting, it's interesting. You start strange. I, I loved how this, this See, story, yeah. I loved doing this story because it starts in 1920, like out in the middle of the woods. Yeah. And then by the time I get to the end of it, David Lynch is a character. Yeah. And Ronald David, Reagan is a right. character. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But oh, also Isaac surreal. Asimov is a, it's yeah. very, very cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, you know, uh, this is the thing. America is so weird, man. It yes, is, it is the trip yeah. never ends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're yeah, you know we're sure. a part of, we're a part of it, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so trippy. Yeah, yeah. So the movie doesn't do all that well. Frank's disappointed in it. He loved it at first, but then kind of started to grumble about it. He he got upset because technically they he believed that they stole some ideas from Dune Messiah, and technically they didn't have the film rights to Dune Messiah. Mm. I watching it, I couldn't see exactly what he was talking about, to be honest, but it might very well be there. Um, it's, you know, that movie is very psychedelic. It's super it psychedelic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is, we're kind of winding down because now in 1984, two big things happen for, in Frank Herbert's life. One is that Beverly dies. She dies in February 7th of 1984. Um, she had made Frank a list of promises of things that he had to do after she died. And Frank set out to do all of them. One was to write a book with Brian. Um, another one was to find love again. Like there were a series oh. of these things he was oh, supposed that's so to sweet. do. It really is, right? That's very now, sweet. Yeah. Very um, American. Yeah, yeah. And Frank does, um, he does, despite the fact that he, you know, there's no real talk about him being someone who caroused or stepped out on Beverly. He does, um, he gets married in 1985. Um, he gets married to a much younger woman, Teresha Shackelford. Um, Dune, the Dune film has come out. So in two years, his wife has died. The Dune movie comes out. It's a terrible disappointment at the box office. He makes some money, but he was counting on uh, like ro ongoing royalties yeah, on yeah, profit, yeah, yeah. right? Uh, so it's, it's like, be, oh, now know, what? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh my God. Right. What a, I, oh God. Yeah. I mean, you're hurts. expecting, you're probably expecting yeah. millions, right? Oh, this is going to be Star millions. Wars. Millions, yeah, yeah. Be, it's going to be Star Wars know, part, part two, yeah. Oh. Right, right. Brutal. And then 19, um, 1986, um, and he's got some other books. There's a book in 1982 that comes out, uh, White Plague, which is about, Irish politics, but there's also like a genocidal pa uh, pandemic that goes on at the same time. It's kind of crazy, but mm. it was actually pretty well received, apparently. Mm. Um, mm. Mm. Yeah, make me <laughs> thinking about that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so 19, 19, 1984, now, now we're kind of winding down because 1986, um, Frank gets diagnosed with cancer. Now, he had struggled in grief over Beverly. Like, losing his mind couldn't sleep making crazy phone calls to people all these things you know just as you would you know you tied your life to this person can't even imagine yeah and she dies and she's 57 right yeah, it's like that's too you're young. supposed to and like i said in the beginning she did manage to survive it was like we were finally getting to enjoy our accomplishments right, right? And, you right, know we right, had another right, 10 right. 20 30 years ahead of us and <sighs> that we were supposed to do this and um so Frank kind of loses it and he gets cancer. And I don't think you can, I don't think you can separate the stress of that. You know, it does feel a little bit like it's one of these, like, you know, somebody dies and then their spouse dies a year later. It feels a little like that. Um, 1980, so 1985, 
he gets cancer. First, they think it's diverticulitis. Then they think it's Crohn's disease, blah, 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 blah. Ends up it's, it's cancer. He goes through a series of treatments. They cut some of the cancer out. They do something called hyperthermia, which they heat your body up to 108 degrees Fahrenheit to try and kill the cancer cells. He goes through chemotherapy, all this stuff. Um, and then ultimately, um, he's in the hospital for a procedure, um, in 1986, February 11th of 1986, two years and four days from the day that Beverly died. And he's sitting in his hospital bed on the typewriter and he has a pulmonary embolism and he passes away at age 66. Um, his last book, Chapter House Dune, had come out shortly before that. Um, he was working on the next Dune. Um, but that was it. And, and despite the fact that he was sick, it was kind of a surprise for everybody. You know, it was a surprise for Brian, his son, who'd managed to kind of knit a relationship together with him again. And it was a surprise for, you know, all of his friends and all the people who cared about him. And everybody was looking forward to the next installment of Dune for sure. So, so yeah, I mean, I guess we always leave these on a sad note a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, that's the yeah. life of, that's the life of Frank Herbert and, and Frank Herbert. Herbert table. Yeah. Boom. You did it. You got yeah. it done. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Brilliant man. And, and brilliant. If you haven't read the books, see the movie. It's just read. The just read Dune. It's, it's so good. It's so good. And this is two, this is two guys who are kind of picky about this sort of thing. Yeah. You know, we're, I mean, yeah, we're, yeah, yeah. I, I don't thumbs up everything or even no, most things. It's so good. It's a, a central reading. Dune is the thing. Dune is the thing that you, when you're, when you're 14 or you're 16 or you're 26, just read Dune. It's yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it and, will give and, you and insights into and literally have a copy around for of it in case some teenager is curious. Yes. You know, in, in case yeah. whoever, a nephew, right. a neighbor kid, somebody. Somebody wanna, might somebody might wanna yeah. Yeah. Read if you're Dune. the and if you're the one that gave them Dune, you might just change their life. So. That's right. That's yeah. right. What do we have on the After Dark episode, Brad? What's coming well, up? What's well, going on? Well, a couple on? things uh, for yeah. you Patreon uh, folks and sign uh, up on Patreon uh, if you want to uh, talk about this. We're going to go deeper into the, into the uh, Frank Herbert drug angle. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got some other stuff that Brian, helped, Brian Herbert helpfully left out of the biography, but I've got a couple of other things. And then we're going to talk about a couple of bad Dune takes that have been floating around on Twitter <laughs> uh, that I thought so were, bad. were worth talking about. It's so the- it is the new movie is not psychedelic enough. That's that's a fair criticism. It is I, a fair. I agree, and I love the yeah. new movie. But yeah, artofdarkpod.com. I'm Kevin Couchman, and uh, this is Brad Kelly. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Dynamite. All right. Mm-hmm.